Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Fengloss coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Okay, so all that uh, scraping noise and other things is because I made a silly comment. <laughs> now I have to erase it. I'm to start again. So I said, uh, this is on live chat. I said, what about those those Dutch farmer protests? Let me type it in again. What? I don't know. It's, uh, I'm waiting for Brianna to check in. She'll be here. She'll, she's right here. Let me just put this in here. So what about those Dutch farmer protests? And then I misspelled. Huh. So I'm assuming I spelled it correctly this time. There uh, we go. Okay. Let's get that up there. We're a little crazy this morning just because I've been researching and reading and having fun. And then I realized I had to start the show. So I've been dragging things around and, you know, just it's, it's been a little, as always, it's just insane because I have way too much fun at this. And uh, so anyway, let's get to Brianna. Uh, let me see. Government inquiry. G, 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 G. Government inquiry. Ah, here we go. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. Yeah, it's always a little crazy in the morning first thing as I rearrange the desk and throw things around here and get myself going. Good morning, Brianna. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. All right. Anything exciting this week? Any any news? Any uh, anything happening in your world? Then uh, then we'll get to your issues and questions and things. Um. No, not really. Well, okay. Well, let's we'll find some adventure for you then. <laughs> I I was always having trouble or mischief. I was always causing either causing trouble or getting into it one way or another. So uh, my time in school was uh, quite uh, inventive and creative. I think. Anyway. Um, New stuff. I'm just curious your your initial reaction to uh, uh, to the bank failures because this is uh, you're a little bit young in 2008 probably to remember a lot of what happened. Um, but there was a major bank scandal. It was all government imposed. They screwed up. The financial markets were a mess. The banks were bailed out. We had massive inflation. Pretty much what we're about to go through again. So I'm just curious uh, if you have any thoughts on on uh, the, the government you know, messing around, you know, preaching free market on one hand, then bailing out the, what I call the stupid rich people. So that's what I think is happening. It's like all the, the woke idiots are being bailed out by us, even though they're not calling it a bailout and they're, they're trying to masquerade this, but uh, you know, it's like they're rewarding the failures and uh, the successful banks to get nothing. They're still competing against the woke failures. So, so much for the free market, just a little economic thought for this morning. What do you think? Yeah, I've started actually looking into this um, Mm -hmm. and comparing, like, what happened here to the Great Depression and in 2008 um, whenever I was was looking it up. So um, 
a lot of people are saying that it was like just the management, the woke management that's um that's why the bank failed. Um, but I don't really understand that part exactly very well. Mm-hmm. But I do understand, like, if it was the inflation side, because, you know, a lot of people have different opinions of it. And I do understand the inflation side about how whenever the inflation is rising, you know, it causes the interest rates to spike so high where people are all defaulting on their loans. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the biggest problems of it is what I of what I've learned of it so far. Okay. And then Biden was saying how he's going to bail them out. And one of my questions is, like, with this bailout, because I've heard different people saying things, is it actually just going to be, like, the bank funds or whatever that's going to pay for it, or is it actually going to be the taxpayers that are going to have to pay for it? Well, ultimately, the taxpayers pay for everything. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, the question is, how does it get to the taxpayers? So, and I'm not an expert on this, I'm, 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 but I'm pretty good. I sort of I understand the principles. So they're saying that the Federal Reserve is going to have to reimburse the banks. Federal Reserve, see, the problem with our currency is we operate on Federal Reserve notes. We don't actually have U.S. dollars. We don't have a national currency. Uh, and Federal Reserve is a, basically a private bank consortium. So in the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, the year that freedom died, which is what I call it, because we're talking about Woodrow Wilson, this was one of the three things that happened. Federal Reserve, uh, the income tax, and the, uh, the depriving of uh, the state legislatures uh, of their vote for senators. And so the Federal Reserve has this, this little fraud currency, but the Federal Reserve loans money out. I guess they loan their money out to banks, and then the banks you know, charge interest on that. Uh, there's a prime rate. That's what the banks pay. And then there's a rate above prime, which we pay. So ultimately, we pay. Uh, as money is transferred um, from the Fed to the banks, from the bank to us, um, but the problem is inflation. And so inflation is when you have you – know, well, let me ask you. What, what's inflation? Let's get just a basic understanding. We'll go through inflation, unemployment, you know, and relate to what I call the accelerator and brake theory of economic stupidity. <laughs> I'll get to that a bit. So let's get the basic terms. Inflation. What do, what do you understand that to be? Um, whenever the government prints more and more money, which makes okay. um, more money in the cycle, making the value of the dollar go down, which mm-hmm. makes everything more expensive. And people in reality actually have may have like more, there might be more dollars in the world, but everybody's actually more poor. Everything's more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more dollars does not mean more money. So there's a difference between uh, dollars and wealth uh, and GDP. So if you take the gross domestic product, the entire value of everything, um, and, and you put more and more dollars into it, then each dollar is going to buy less you know, of the GDP. Each dollar is going to be able to contribute less. Well, if each dollar is worth less in order to maintain the value, so say you want to buy a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. All right. So the milk hasn't changed. Well, maybe genetically modified, but basically milk hasn't changed. Bread hasn't changed in a long time. So, but the money changes. So the, the reason that the price of a, of a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread goes up is not because the, the loaf of bread is suddenly, you know, 10 times better or, or the gallon, you know, the cows have suddenly changed and become genetically, you know, well, I don't, that's probably the wrong way to go. But in other words, the product hasn't really changed. So what's changed is the money. The money has changed. So in 1913, when the Fed took over, um, you could buy what a dollar buys today for about two cents. That's how much money we've lost. So two cents, was, the dollar would be worth about two cents in you know, 1913 currency. 
And so for like five cents, you could probably buy a gallon of milk, but now it takes like five bucks. Why? Because the money's devalued so much. So, that, so that's inflation. So inflation, I explain it as the, the pizza pie theory. So you have a pie, same size, right? Um, have a large pizza pie. And if you have uh, eight slices in it, well, you, you know, each slice is pretty big, right? You know, but what if you make 16 slices? You've doubled the amount of slices. You know, have you doubled the, the pie? No, you've just made more slices. And you do that you know, millions upon millions upon millions of times, and each dollar is you know, progressively worth less. So then comes inflation, which you just correctly stated is inflating the money supply. It's not raising prices. Raising the money supply actually raises prices because every dollar is worth less, and the producers need the same value. For their product. The only way they can get the same value is to have the amount of dollars equalize the, the, the purchasing power that they used to equalize. That's why prices go up. Okay, so, so now relate this to, you know, and the Fed says, well, we need at least 2% inflation. Well, why? That, that's insane. Why would you want your money to lose 2% every year? What does that mean? Well, that means that the value of your money, if it loses 2, 3, or in this case, to 9% of your money every year, that value is then transferred to the Federal Reserve and to the banks. Because now your money is worth so much less, you need to borrow more, you need to work harder, you need to do more, you need to produce more. Well, who are the beneficiaries? Well, the banks and the government. They love inflation because they make out like bandits. Taxes go up. You know, so, uh, as prices go up, sales taxes go up. They think they're making more money. So it's this vicious cycle that goes on that the, the higher the rate of inflation, the more that your, the value of your money transfers to the banks and the government. So that's why inflation is a tax. How am I doing so far? Are you with me? Yes. Okay, good. So let's bring this up to the, the, the banking scandal now. So, so the, the best thing, that, oh, the other thing is, is unemployment. They'll say, in fact, a friend of mine asked me about this last night. Well, they say we need to raise unemployment to stop people working so hard to, you know, cool the economy down, which gets to my theory of the accelerator and the brake. So if spending money borrowing money and printing money is the accelerator on the economy. What's the break? What are they trying to do to slow it down? Telling, they're telling people not to spend their money. Isn't that ridiculous? Idiots would, would propose mm-hmm. people not spend their money. <laughs> the economy functions. Do you ever hear the, about the velocity of money? This is, this is economic theory. Do you know about the velocity of money? You ever heard that term? No. Okay. What that means is that the more money changes hands, the faster money changes hands, the more active is the economy, the greater is the economy. The economy works best when money changes hands, often. You know, when you buy, you know, milk from the store and the store pays for more milk from the farmer and the farmer buys more, you know, feed and the feed buys more shoes for their kids and the, you know, and then the kids buy ice cream and then the ice cream, you know, you see how this goes, right? Everybody's buying from everybody else. That's how the economy works. Yeah, I think that's why, yeah, in, mm-hmm. in the Great Depression, they were trying to influence people to go and spend the money. Yeah. They also had things called price supports. They, they paid farmers not to grow things. They kept farms in business by saying, uh, we're going to pay you not to produce. That way you make money. You don't go broke as farmers, um, but your products maintain a high enough price uh, that uh, the, the, the stuff you do make and sell is going to be you know, still there. And we still have those price supports from the depression, sugar, um, ethanol, corn. There's all kinds of things where people are paid and they're, they're ridiculous. These should all be done away with. Uh, where they actually paid people during the depression, which sort of made sense at the time, but not really, um, to not produce. 
so the farms could stay in business and the prices were kept artificially high because farmers were paid for things they did not grow or produce. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, so, mm-hmm. and with the um, FDIC, you know, that was created to like combat the Great Depression. What, what's FDIC? And with, um, in 2008, they, um, like, it's federal insurance thing. something, insurance something. Yeah, that's, I've heard of um, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC. But you said something else, yes. SP, which yeah, is probably like it. savings. Yeah, okay. So, so basically, for, so in other words, your, your deposits are guaranteed up to $250,000. They used to be $100,000. Yeah, now he's saying that they're going to be insured in full. Or, um, I think he used different words for it. But, Who, Brandon? Um, in, the, 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 the occupant yeah. of the White House? <laughs> But in 2008, that's whenever Uh they had this bailout bill to combat Uh it. And it was kind of almost the same exact system in in 2008 Uh as it is now. Because I was looking at charts and stuff, and there was a spike in inflation right before this. And, you know, I was looking at a timeline. So it's not like it was, like, hugely dramatic or one of the larger ones throughout time, you know? Right. Um. But, you know, it still was a little spike. Um, And and whenever Uh this happened after the spike, of course, there was the huge drop afterwards. But, Uh you know, they bailed them out. And guess what happens whenever they bailed it out? They give more power to this FDIC in order to bail them out. Which means more money, which means more borrowing, which means more printing, which rewards failure, which is the exact opposite of a free market. So let's get back to the Depression in, in 2008. Let's talk about the breaks on the economy. So my theory is, and I'm curious uh, if this makes sense to you, that the accelerator on the economy is, and it's, it's a bad accelerator, it's, it's, what, it's, it's basically the driver of inflation, is, is the federal government in their idiocracy. Um, that's, what, that's my new term. You know, D-I-E, what the uh, diversity, in, inclu- uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, I'm, I'm calling that division, extortion, and idiocracy. You can use that sometime. Anyway, so the idiocracy in Washington, they, the government spends money, and then they have to borrow money to cover their spending, and then they have to print money to cover their borrowing. That's the accelerator of inflation. The break is the Federal Reserve, which is raising interest rates. Well, what happens to your car if you stand on the accelerator and the brake at the same time? It's not going to be good. <laughs> exactly. So in other words, a lot, the wheels are going to spin. You're going to get a lot of smoke, but are you going anywhere? No. No. <laughs> no. So, the, so if you're standing on an accelerator in your car and you're standing on the brake, the engine is cranking at full power. Uh, the, the tires are probably squealing and spinning. The brakes are burning out and you're going absolutely nowhere. That's suicidal for your car, right? Mm-hmm. Well, suicidal for the economy too. You cannot stand on the accelerator of inflation and the break of interest rates and expect anything good to come of it. And that's how I explain it. What happened in the Depression, what happened in 2008, what's happening now, it's pretty much the same thing. So you're absolutely right. You've got the pattern. Yeah, that's what I... Okay. So, so what, what would you call repeating a pattern that doesn't work? 
not learning from history, but also I think it's um, a stance on control. Okay, tell me. Government control, specifically. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things, and it's really... Oh, where'd you go? Did you hit your um, mute button? There you go. You're back. No, I'm still here. <laughs> so I found this. Mm-hmm. And have you ever heard of the Kobisi letter? No. What's that? Tell me. How do you spell that, first of all? K-O-B-E-I-S-S-I. No, nope, don't know anything about it. Tell me. Yeah, I I don't either. Well, but let's find out. They have a list. It's a short list. There's only five things, but it says over the last week, two hundred billion dollar collapse of Silicon Valley Bank in 24 hours. Uh-huh. Crypto market lost over a hundred billion dollars. Uh-huh. Bank stocks lost a hundred billion in value. Mortgage uh-huh. demand hit a 30-year low. And oh. the Fed said 2 million people will lose their job. And well, I think they wanted unemployment, they, didn't they? <laughs> is that, that going to slow the economy? Is that what they want? <laughs> Maybe not this fast. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Uh-huh. And the, the point that they were making for it was that a recession is an understatement, is the point that they were making. Uh-huh. We're already in a recession. We've been in a recession for a long time. Anytime the, the growth is, is, is less than positive, in other words, negative growth, uh, they say for two quarters you're in a recession. But what people don't understand, and we talk about this, um, check, check in our report sometime Fridays with, uh, with Derek Park, our financial guru. Uh, he's on at 7.30 Central Time. And we talk about this all the time, that the recession, it doesn't start at the end of two quarters of negative growth. It starts at the beginning. So by the time they've declared the recession, it's actually six months old. It's already been there for a while. But it doesn't matter what the actual indices say. You know, if prices are going up and economic production is down, you're in a recession. You know, and so all these factors are coming together. So, so Cobrasi, is it, was it an economic letter? Is this a newsletter? Uh, how did you come by this? Um, so I found it on her true grit. It's an account. And then they have this other account. It's through Twitter. It looks like, it looks mm-hmm. like a very professional thing, but I don't know exactly no, who they are. Yeah. But, okay. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's take those. Yeah. Let's take those things individually. So, what's the first thing they mention? We should go over these individually because this is—they're all really important. Yeah. Um. There's actually more to it that I found. Okay. Okay. Actually. Feel free. Let's hear it. Um. From this same person, have you ever heard of the CBDC? What's so, that? I first heard about it when it was um, from the World Economic Forum. What they're oh. wanting. It's a. <laughs> it stands for Central Bank of Digital Currency. Oh, I think I have heard so of this. Okay, so hang on, Central. So let's assume because now we're getting now we're getting somewhere. So Central Bank Digital Currency. Okay, tell me more. And somebody found this, and they said there are three things to facilitate the rollout of the CBDC system. And it says mm-hmm. one is making or make holding money in banks feel completely unsafe, which they have done thoroughly. Very good job at step one. And mm-hmm. the second one is to destroy competitors or make them 
unattractive as viable alternatives like Bitcoin and stuff. And whenever, and that's why I was telling you about the Kobisi letter because you know it was talking about you know the crypto um, losing over what was it a hundred billion dollars. Mm-hmm. What did they lose and it, or did the value of it just drop? See, see here. Let me just interrupt for a second because this, this is this is all critical stuff. I love talking about this. So if you have a stock, if mm-hmm. you buy a stock at a hundred dollars a share. Okay, you buy 100 shares. You spend, what, 100 times 100. What is that, 10,000 bucks? Just roughly. Have I got my math right? I think anyway. so. Um, I'm not good. <laughs> Let me get my calculator. Okay, so you got 100 shares times $100 is $10,000. Okay, now let's say those yeah. 100 shares, For, um, yeah, instead of being $100 a share, drop down to $50 a share. Have you lost any money? Did you say four? Did you say forty dropped down to fifty? No, you've got you've got you've got a hundred shares. That's usually the number of people buy. I'm just picking pulling numbers out of my head here. You've got hundred shares, and each share is worth hundred dollars of 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 brand X. You know the the the, the micro digital corporation GC. Yeah. So MGC Corporation. <laughs> I just made that up. You know, or widgets of America. So, micro, you know, micro digital corporation uh, is selling shares. The market share is hundred dollars a share, and you buy a hundred of them, so you spend ten thousand dollars. Now, let's say that they have a problem, and their, their next product, you know, is rumored to be faulty, and people go, "Oh, I'm not going to invest in that company," and they start selling the shares, and the shares go down to fifty dollars a share. Have you lost any money yet? Yes. How? Is you. Bought it for a hundred, but mm-hmm. now they're selling for fifty. Right, but have you sold you any shares yet? Of it. Ah, so wait a minute, wait a minute. This is key. This is really important. Have if you haven't sold any shares yet, have you lost any money? No. No, you still hold a hundred shares, right? So if those shares go yeah. back up to a hundred, if they fix their problem, and all of a sudden people start investing in shares, go back up to a hundred, and now you sell your shares, what happens? You get your ten thousand dollars back, you right? Make, break even. Right? You break even, exactly. Now, what if the shares go up to one hundred fifty dollars a share? Ooh. Then you make money. Only if you sell your shares. So you only make money or lose money in the stock market when you sell your shares, right? So as long as you hold your shares, you haven't lost yeah. any money. So when they say that the value, the people, that $100 billion of digital currency has been lost, that's not real yet until people sell their Bitcoin. But if those people hold their Bitcoin, so you know what? Five years from now, it's going to be all done. I'll be, I'll be multi-trillionaire. You know, and I, it's going to come back. You know, as long as they don't sell their shares, they still retain it. Now, of course, if the value goes to nothing and Bitcoin gets destroyed, then they've lost all their money. That's called investing. That's what investing is all about. That's why they call it risk. Okay? So the greater the risk, the greater the reward. If you bought Bitcoin at five cents a Bitcoin and you sold it at sixty thousand dollars a Bitcoin, you made a fortune. <laughs> you were smart. You got out. You did exactly the right thing. You rode the wave and you timed it correctly, which almost nobody does, and you made money. But only if you sold your shares. If your Bitcoin went from five cents to sixty thousand dollars and then back to five cents again, and then you sell your Bitcoin. You've broken even, and you've missed the chance to cash in on $60,000 on a five-cent investment. 
And then you kick yourself for the rest of your life going, oh, I was so stupid. I waited so long. I was greedy. I wanted it to go to $100,000. You know, and that's how people think. So now, does it make sense? So you read this and you say, okay, Bitcoin has lost. So has Bitcoin lost anything if people don't sell their Bitcoin? No. Okay. Does that change your interpretation of the events? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. What was the third this, one? Um, oh, go ahead. No, tell me. The third point is the big point, especially with this. Um, and it's economic collapse. Mm. And then the welfare is tied to the CBDC, which is the mm-hmm. central bank digital currency. And, you know, it's the same as a bailout. That's what that would be. It would be like the bailout of mm-hmm. it which is also communism and World Economic Forum controlling our currency, and they can track basically every single thing about you and your family. So right. with this, now, they're question. bailing us out here using right. the FDIC. Oh. So the, 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 they say, I guess the expression is robbing Peter to pay Paul. In other words, you're stealing from one person to pay another, but you're not actually creating anything. Well, let me ask you this. If there's an economic collapse – Everybody's unemployed. Everybody's on welfare. Who's going to pay the cost of society? Yeah, well, that's what they're wanting. They but, want to be in control of everything so people rely but on them. Uh, but what would, if, the, if the economy is worthless, what are they actually in control of? Well, if you don't have any money to buy any food or to have um, running water in your house or gas or anything else like that, uh-huh. you know, um, and many things to survive, you're going to look to whoever does have those things, you know, uh-huh. or whoever, is, whoever can allow you to have those things, you know, who has control of this and who has centralized everything. So if you centralize and everything. Even if they don't the have economy. much of anything that yeah, can help us. And we're, Go ahead. We're going to be, or a lot of people are going to be looking to this facade of, of wanting help and stuff. I and mean, of course, we're all going to get ripped off. I mean, that one was just, I mean, we've, we've known that. If the central government's in control, obviously mm-hmm. the people get ripped off. But they're still going to be looking at it as, you know, the facade that it would be. Yeah. See, I look at it a little, a little differently. Uh, what I was getting to before, and sometimes I, uh, I, I'm guilty of, of sort of, you know, rhetorical questions trying to lead to a, to a predetermined answer. But if you look at the Depression, you look at 2008, you look at 2023, they're doing exactly the same things, making exactly the same uh, mistakes, but they're expecting a different result. Well, that's Einstein's definition yeah. of insanity, right? Doing exactly the same thing yet expecting a different result, that's the definition of insanity. So if, this is, so if what they're doing is the definition of insanity, if what they're doing is trying for absolute world mastery and world control, and yet the result of what they're doing is economic suicide and the economy collapses and nobody is producing and nobody is making money and nobody is paying the taxes to support the welfare system because literally everybody is on the welfare system – in trying to control everything, they actually end up controlling nothing. That, to me, is insanity. These people are irrational. Yeah. They, they need to be in padded rooms. They don't need to be running the world. They need to be just the opposite. They need to be away somewhere. At the happy camp. <laughs> you know, <laughs> drinking lemonade, watching the sunset. 
doing things that are harmless to the rest of us, but they certainly don't need to have any influence or control. These people are insane. They're irrational. What they're proposing is a complete destruction of the economy. So that was it. The uh, this is a biblical verse on this. Uh, inherit the wind. You know, those, I think it was a, if you bring. And I'm, I'm not a biblical scholar, so I'm going to count on you and Wendy and the other folks. But uh, you know, if you bring trouble to your own house, you know, you'll inherit the winds. In other words, air. If you destroy your own house, you inherit air. There's nothing there. These people are so crazy. They can't even see the flaw, the fundamental flaw in what they're doing. In trying to control everything, they'll end up controlling nothing. It's like Star Wars. Remember when Princess Leia said, the more systems you try to control, the more will slip through your fingers? It's just the same thing. The more they try to control, the more they're, uh, you know, it's going to be lost. Oh, I got a comment for you from uh, Cyanide77. He's our, our listener in the Netherlands. So he listens in the afternoon. And he's got, uh, yep, insanity. <laughs> he's giving me a thumbs up. And he doesn't like the CDBC either. So I'm going to ask uh, Sinite77 uh, about, about the little farm report because they had a huge farm protest. And more power to the farmers in Holland. See, we're international. You're being listened to in Holland right now. What do you think? Brianna? Are you asking me that is it Yeah. Insanity? No, I just going to say you're, you're, you're being listened to in the Netherlands right oh. now. How does that strike you? Oh, um, that's a little bit frightening, to be honest. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. It's okay. You're still, you're still just talking to me. But uh, no, this is, this is, we're all going to be, you know. Well, here's the thing, too. I've got Brandon Straka coming on in an hour and a half. Walk away. Walk away social. Walk away foundation. You know, hashtag walk away. He's got a million followers. If we get a million followers interested in action radio and start sponsoring bills and start becoming activists, turning all that wonderful energy into changing the world like we both want to do, you and I are going to get very well known. <laughs> it's just, get ready for that. You know, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be kind of interesting. All right, let's get back to these three conditions here. Make banks unsafe, uh, destroy, I've got to destroy the competition, in other words, Bitcoin, uh, and economic collapse. This is economic suicide. This is economic treason. These people don't need to be in charge. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's, let's, make, let's talk about making the banks unsafe. So in the Depression... <laughs> Yeah, it's fun talking about this stuff, right? So in the Depression, now here's something to consider, too. You've got to understand that the indexes, the indices, as far as I guess the plural, um, the way they measured unemployment and inflation and things like that is different. Basically, Bill Clinton changed a lot of the indexes or indices. So they don't mean the same thing. So when, it, when we have an unemployment rate of uh, 5% in the Depression, that would have been 25%. Same amount of people unemployed, percentage-wise, in the population. But because they change how they measure it, they have new methods of, of measuring unemployment, um, it, doesn't reflect, it doesn't look as bad as it used to. So unemployment during the Obama administration was exactly the same as it was during the Depression. It wasn't reported as that because they changed the way they measured it. So in other words, when the government doesn't like the bad news, they change the bad news. They don't change the results of the bad news. They just change the bad news. And so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay, so... What else did you, well, let's get to see if you see any other parallels between these two, because this is, these are fascinating. The Depression, 2008, 2023. So basically, what, what's at the root of, all, of the problem of those three things? What, what's the root cause of our economic problem in the Depression in 2008 and 2023? Um, Who caused the problem? So, like, directly on the surface, it would be the rising inflation. Um, and, like, in 2008, one of the ones they said was the – falling house prices where people weren't making money 
uh, combined with like the inflation rising, causing everybody to default on their loans. And now uh-huh. they're saying, you know, with the inflation, um, everybody is defaulting on their loans, and they can't keep up with it, so they're closing. Uh-huh. Um, and in the Great Depression, it was everybody was um, <clears throat> pulling their money out all at once, and because of this, um, what, what is it called? Um, let me go back to it. They call it. Dirty fractional reserve banking, and it's where they only have to keep 10% in that bank, which means 90% of your money is going elsewhere, and your money mm-hmm. is not in that bank, mm-hmm. so, which means that if you go and withdraw, you know, you're not actually just going to be able to get your money out of the bank like you should be able to, which you have the freedom and ability to have your own money in your own hand if you want to, if you trust somebody to let you do that. They don't do that because they don't have your money, and they make you come back and wait days until they can get you your money that you put directly into that specific bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it goes everywhere else, and so when everybody withdraws it, it, it collapses because of the system. And I think that's part of the reason, like, um, you created that bill of um, government borrowing money. I think that might be a How about that? That's exactly why I created um, that is exactly why I created that bill because if we have uh and this will be for for um, Sinai 77 in, in the Netherlands too you might want to you know send this bill around uh, around Holland as well that it's a, it's a constitutional amendment that removes the power of Congress to borrow money and it's very simple if you go to article 1 section 8 uh there's a, the first paragraph says you know the Congress shall have the power to and then it lists a bunch of things this is the real power in the constitution uh, it delegates to the Congress the ability to make laws in certain areas. And, and one of the things, the very first thing it says after Congress shall have the, the power to tax, da, 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 it says to borrow money on the credit of the United States. So what my bill does very simply is it removes that sentence. It, you know, so in other words, it will not say, Constitution will not say Congress will have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. Uh, and then they add a sentence, the paragraph above it, uh, which says specifically Congress shall not have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States, nor to print money in excess of revenues. What that does is it eliminates borrowing. It means the national debt would be paid off in about 30 to 40 years. As the bonds mature, it means that inflation would be impossible because the Congress could never borrow money and they could never print extra money beyond the money that they take in. That's it. That's the limitation. There's no provision for emergencies. There's no provision for pandemics. There's no provision for wars. If they want to start a war, you know, they're going to have to do it within their budget. You know, and of course, everybody else is screaming for money. You know, and as I tell people, well, what about war? We have to, have to be like, what about an emergency? I said, do you mean to tell me if the Chinese launch nuclear missiles at us, Congress is going to meet and borrow money? <clears throat> Brianna? <laughs> You see yeah. how absurd it is? See how absurd it is all the time? already have a plan in place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, this is why we have a treasury. You know, uh, do we sit around and wait for an emergency and then decide to, to make a loan? No. We have savings, at least I hope. And we have some credit, I hope, although that's pretty much going away because of uh, uh, Brandon and the policies of the deep state. But, <laughs> yeah, but we don't have to borrow money. We could run our country. Uh, yeah. We would have unparalleled prosperity. Because the problem with the depression, as I understand it, was they, well, the three you know, the three causes. Go ahead, go ahead. You know what allows that prosperity? Freedom. Okay. Exactly. And not being bound and controlled with your money. Uh-huh. That's what it would so, create. But does freedom not That's imply the, the freedom the, to 
uh, the freedom is freedom with our money and our um, ability and um, not having the government know absolutely everything about us and control our money is the mm-hmm. opposite of the FDIC and the um, CBDC because both of those are looking to do bailouts of economic collapses. Mm-hmm. And both of those have more control over the money supply. And both of those know more about the individual and the individual life and what they do and what they do with their money. One is just within the United States and was created uh, I don't even know how many years ago at this point. But mm-hmm. um, and okay. one is more recent. Yeah. I'm not as concerned with the banks and the government knowing my purchases. First of all, if I if I buy something on credit, um, then you know that's pretty much open. If I really want it private, I'll buy cash. But the only th- but if you but that doesn't always work because like if you buy guns, for example, you have to you know register and uh, fill out the 4473 form and things like that. So the government usually knows. Uh, that's only a problem if they want to come confiscate, which could be very possible under a brand new dictatorship. Um, the biggest problem, though, uh, that's far more serious and far more immediate is the fact that they're bailing out the failures. You know, so in other words, it, it's, I explained it, and it was explained to me the same way. On, on, I forgot who did this on the news years ago. It's like if, if a gambler, if a gambler never loses money, if all their losses are reimbursed, and yet they get to keep their winnings. So when they gamble, you know, and, and luck is with them briefly, because the odds are always against the gamblers. It's, Gambling is insane, but it is kind of fun once in a while. You got 50 bucks to blow? Yeah, go ahead, <laughs> but don't do it often. Um, but the point is that, um, that if, you, if you were reimbursed for your losses, you'd gamble everything you owned. Because if whatever you won, you kept, you'd keep gambling your winnings. You'd gamble everything because you could never lose. Well, that's what a bailout is. A bailout says to a bank, you can never lose. You can make the stupidest, dumbest, most ridiculous you know, investments. You can, you can loan money to people that can't pay it back, and we'll reimburse you. That is insanity. But that's what caused the savings and loans and the, and the mortgage scandal in, the, in, the, uh, in 2008. The communi- Here's something for you to look up. The Community Reinvestment Act. I believe this was another Bill Clinton brilliant socialist idea, which said that basically black people in red, in red zone districts can't get loans. You know, in other words, people in poor neighborhoods couldn't get loans. But they said black people because that's racist, and now, and now it's something that has to change, even though there are lots of poor people of every race. Uh, but what they said was that people that can't get loans should get loans, and don't worry about paying it back. <laughs> so they didn't. So people took out loans. They knew they couldn't pay back. Banks loan money. They knew wouldn't be paid back uh, with the theory that the government was going to bail them out. And the government would, would let people keep the house and the government would uh, bail the banks. Well, guess what happened? It all collapsed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know? And so uh, because of bailouts. So the problem, as always, is government messing with the free market. Freedom works. Now, what would happen if this bank fails? Who, who are the constituents of the, uh, uh, the, the, the Silicon Valley Bank, the SVB? Who are, who are the main depositors? Um, the Silicon Valley was a lot of businesses, um, mm-hmm. mostly small businesses, is what mm-hmm. I heard about it. Okay. What kind of businesses? I don't know. They were just saying 
small businesses and other businesses. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, but if Silicon Valley, you can pretty much assume they're going to be high tech. They're going to be startups. Now, where should businesses okay. like that? Where 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 do businesses normally get money to start up? What what group of people normally loans to small business startups with new ideas? I know some get donors, and then mm-hmm. others. I just the only other one I know would be just loans from banks. Okay. But Have you heard the term venture just, capitalist? Yes, I have. So what's that? I don't remember. Okay. I've heard of it before, but I fair enough. Know. No, that's all right. Yeah. Venture capitalists are people that invest in new companies. So the people that invest in new companies, venture capitalists, they could lose all their money, right? Because they're taking a risk. However, they could also make a ridiculous amount of money when they find a good idea. Right? Yes. So if you're smart enough to have a good idea, by the way, venture capitalists who are listening, Action Radio, I'm open. I'm open to venture capital. Trust me. <laughs> I'm really good at what I do. <laughs> really good at what I do. And I have really brilliant people around me like Brianna. So we're really smart here. You know, this is a, this is a growth industry. Citizen legislation is a huge growth industry uh, in terms of, of uh, political lobbying and things like that. We could be bigger than Heritage Foundation easily. But people don't see it yet. They don't see the value in what we do yet. They will. All we need are a few successes, and I'll tell you an interesting story in a couple of minutes. But that's what a venture capitalist does. So venture capitalist risks their capital. They've been smart enough to make lots of money generally, and they want to make lots more money. So they look for the best ideas. They, they research, they interview, they talk to people, and if they find a good idea, they will invest their money in a corporation under the assumption that they'll make a lot more money back for doing so. That's what a venture capitalist does. Now, a bank should be like venture capitalists. Banks should make loans under exactly the same condition. But it only works if the bank can, it only works if, if the people risking their money can lose it. Losing money is critical to freedom. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it really is. Losing money, the possibility of losing money brings discipline. And the discipline to not yeah, and make... And you think that sounds like the, the mm-hmm. simplest transaction of losing or gaining money. I mean, that mm-hmm. is like the root of, you know, a free market. I also mm-hmm. learned that, you know, we're actually like a free market, established as a free market and founded mm-hmm. as a free market. And supposedly, now I haven't looked, I haven't read it uh, completely. I should say I haven't read it completely. But mm-hmm. um, they said okay. that the term capitalism came from Karl Marx to degrade it and to attack yep. it. Absolutely. Have you noticed that said capitalism? You notice I say free market instead of capitalism? That's exactly why. Yeah. I found that interesting because, you know, mm-hmm. my entire life I've always thought of it just as capitalism. Like, there's always been capitalism. But, yeah, yeah you, but because there's a Marxist indoctrination to education. Now, That's why. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Marxists mm-hmm. called capitalism just, you know, like evil profiteers. Mm-hmm. That's what they, like, classify. But, you know, the free market, you know, if you go down to the basic of it, you work, mm-hmm. you know, you put your input into economy in some way where other people can benefit as well and stuff and go further down the line. And mm-hmm. you work, and then you get paid because mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, you know, is going to impact and influence, you know, other people who buy into it. Mm-hmm. So you, you got that money. Then you want to go and buy food. Well, you just gain money from the work you did to help mm-hmm. the economy. But now you're going to go and spend your money by food. 
you know, it's right. a gain and loss, but it's prosperity, you know. You, you know, it's something that you earn. You got it. You got it. That's the whole basis of freedom. You know, if, if Action Radio yeah. were a stupid, dumb show, do you think people would listen to us around the world? No. Now, we have, we're restricted because of censorship. But if I put out a bad, bad product, how long do you think I'd be on the air? Um, if, I didn't offer, if we didn't offer value well, to people. Well, I mean, look at CNN. Let's see. Okay, that's, all right. So that, that's a, it's funny she said that's an, that's an excellent example. So let's talk about all the money that goes to CNN from the government propping them up. They're bailed out. So they have a terrible message. Their message is communism. They're the Communist News Network. You know, I, I used to – I forgot what else. I've got them a bunch of other names over time. Uh, the, the Comedy News Network, you know, a bunch of other things like that. But, uh, you know, so CNN. Let's compare CNN to Action Radio. So Action Radio, we have no venture capitalists. Uh, I have basically no budget. <laughs> you know, we operate on no money, <laughs> you know, and yet here we are. You know, but we offer, I think, tremendous value, and people recognize that value, but they can't, I can't get the word out. I, and if, in other words, it's what they call barriers to entry. Have you heard that term in a market, barriers to entry? Yeah. Okay. So censorship is a barrier to entry. So I, I don't have free access to the marketplace. When I did have free access to the marketplace two years ago, my show was growing like crazy. You know, and until COVID, <laughs> you know, until the algorithms found me really quickly, <laughs> you know, um, the, the week that we solved COVID, we solved COVID in one week. And I'll explain this to Brandon Strack when he comes on. So we solved COVID between February 25th and March 2nd of 2020. February 25th, Bill Gertz is on the show. National Security Correspondent for the Washington Times. We were introduced to him by Dr. Peter Pry, who is a regular national security reporter who unfortunately died in August, I believe, of a COVID shot. But he got us some incredible people. He got us General Thomas McInerney, who described the election fraud in complete detail two weeks after the November election 2020. But we had Bill Gertz, February 25th of 2020. Trump had just two weeks previously uh, blocked travel from China. This is two weeks before, 15 days to slow the spread. Actually, three weeks before. He's on the show. Two days later, I write a bill. Congress can only, spend, can only spend half the money on vaccines. The other half has to be spent on early treatments because I already knew early treatments worked. Three days after that, March 2nd, I announced on the show, chloroquine cures COVID. There is no pandemic. Then I learned about hydroxychloroquine later on. I think we even had elderberries. This, this builds your resistance to, to COVID. I said, there's no reason for a vaccine. We've already got the cure. Why would you, why would you try and develop something that takes 15 years to make safe? You know, for a virus that's already here. That's yeah. irrational. That's irrational, right? So, but we have cures that already work. So why would you spend money on a cure that doesn't work, that's 15 years out, for a virus that's already here, when you have cures right now that are FDA approved and work? So that's why I knew it was a hoax. don't actually want a cure. Ah. Go ahead. They don't. Who doesn't want a oh. cure? Go ahead. No, you're onto something. Keep going. Um, Down the rabbit hole. To- own the vaccines, um, own the, um, what is it, the remdesivir? Is that mm-hmm. the one? That, the patents yeah. for remdesivir um, and the patents for the vaccines, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the ones that mm-hmm. own the mask and the mm-hmm. hand sanitizer and mm-hmm. the federal government for control. Mm-hmm. All of these mm-hmm. people who are making money or gaining mm-hmm. control, they don't mm-hmm. want the cure because then they don't have as much money and don't have as much control. So what do you think of the people that are making money are perpetuating 
Go ahead. I think it also bounces off that idea of, you know, we need a free market, and that's not a free market, because what it is is this, it is profit through control. You know, they they mm-hmm. have to control everything, you know, through censorship and force and disease and everything else in order mm-hmm. for specific people to make a profit because their product is, you know, horrible and deadly. Um, or, you know, it's only needed in extreme circumstances. They created an extreme circumstance. You know, mm-hmm. the different things like that. You know, they have to censor other people or bail out some corporations to survive, and it doesn't give other ones a chance because, you know, they're censored, all those are bailed out, and they still succeed. You know, you know, so there's a lot that's not a free market anymore. We're so controlled and we're so censored in everywhere in America now. Oh, exactly. Well, what we have to do is get back to that base of free market and end Mm -hmm. the control. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have a bill here at Action Radio for vaccine product liability. We have a bill that ends big tech censorship. We have a constitutional amendment that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. We have a bill that disarms the federal bureaucracy, all 287,000 infantry (laughs) bureaucrats. Uh, we have a bill that eliminates withholding of your income during the time people are earning their standard deduction so they get the money this year instead of next year. You know, you don't have to worry about a refund because the money's not taken from you in the first place during the first quarter or however long it takes people to earn their, you know, their, their 13, I guess $13,000 is roughly the, uh, the deduction these days. And most people learn every salary is like 36000 so the first third of the year, by April, by tax day, you know. So you'd only, have, you'd only start having income withheld from your paycheck after you've earned your standard deduction. So most people wouldn't even have to file a tax return. So these simple, basic things we can do. But that's, uh, that would give people back control. That would take away control from these people. But what do you think of people? And this is obviously a rhetorical question. What do you think of people that maintained COVID that saved COVID saved the virus until they could bring out this vaccine, which is neither safe nor effective, with all the resulting injuries and deaths. I'm a little confused about what you're saying. Okay. So the bureaucrats, the government people, the, the people at the National Institute of Health, the CDC, Big Pharma, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, uh, the, the mandating governors, mayors, city councils, you know, Dr. Fascist, as we call him, all these people are involved in the COVID industry. They all maintained COVID in securing it. And they did it for money and power. Yes, I understand that. So what do you think of these folks? And what should we do with them? Um, well, I mean, obviously, any office that you hold, you know, you um, sort of hold the Constitution, right? Right. So, obviously, if you don't uphold the Constitution, which is, you know, the one thing that you're supposed to do in that position, then obviously you shouldn't have that position. But you know what? And this is something that okay. I haven't quite haven't quite resolved yet. There's no official penalties for not... Uh, following the Constitution, except Title um, 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights, which has never been applied to government people. 
Another, it says, when two or more people uh, conspire to oppress the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, um, that constitutes a conspiracy against rights, uh, and there's like a massive fine in jail terms. So anybody that conspired against our rights, and as I've said for a long time, the cure for COVID has always been freedom, freedom of information, freedom to know what doctors you know, who, are, who are curing COVID have said, freedom of all kinds of freedom to know that the vaccine is not safe and effective. It's not even a vaccine. So freedom would have cured COVID. I, I published, if you go to my Substack articles, um, on, uh, on the chart that, that proved COVID ended July of 2020. It's a CDC chart. It's the last honest one I think they put out. Everything after that was propaganda. When they switched from, from deaths, from COVID deaths to COVID cases, which is meaningless because the test wasn't even accurate, um, it showed that uh, the COVID uh, death rate started yeah, beginning of February 2020, spiked April 15th, tax day. That's ironic. And was pretty much heading for zero by mid-July of 2020. It was over. It was already over. We already had herd immunity. It was already over. COVID was rescued by masks, mandates, stress, isolation, closed schools, closed businesses, closed churches, complete mass incarceration. Basically, the nation was held prisoner. Well, it's a breeding ground for any virus. Until the, the vaccine came out to cure something that was already gone by July. So they bring this this uh, this messenger RNA, you know, clot shot that basically causes blood clots. Someone just died recently. In fact, uh, oh yeah, I was going to tell you about the the Substack article. Do, do you know uh, Steve Kirsch? Have you heard of him at all? Um, no, I have not. Okay, so he's he does a Substack article. He's been you know going after the FAA to find out why why pilots are, are dying at the flight controls. You know why they haven't stopped the COVID shot. Uh, a bunch of other stuff. He's been heavily, heavily investigating um, the whole COVID epidemic, the epidemic, the sickness of the people who've been running the whole COVID industry. Um, and he put an article. <laughs> what's that? Go ahead. Do you like my characterization? Yeah. Well, what do you think? Does that make sense? Describing it as a COVID industry? Yeah. Okay. So Stephen Kirsch comes out with a, with a petition to try and stop uh, mandates at uh, college campuses for, for the jab. And I said, Steve, dude, I don't think I said dude, but anyway, I said, Steve, we've got a bill here. And he already knows about us. In fact, I've, I've, we've texted, you know, I'm in touch with Steve Kirsch. Steve Kirsch has a gazillion followers. I don't know how many, but he's got a lot, hundreds of thousands of people read Steve Kirsch's newsletter. I said, Steve, if you cover this, cover our bill, then maybe we can do something about this. And then he writes back a comment, well, nothing's going to happen, you know, until we get a sponsor in Congress. And I'm like, Steve, we're not going to get that until you guys start covering it and it gets in the public, from public to media, from media to Congress. That's how citizen legislation works. So now I want to see what happens. But I've got a bunch of likes on that. There's a bunch of people commenting on it. One guy says, it'll never work. This bill will never see the light of day. I think I said the deep state loves you because <laughs> you've already got I said, let's, uh, let's be a little more optimistic. Let's try something a little different. Anyway. So uh, that's, that's, that's what happened. So this is already developing. People are already starting to talk about it. So this is all going to work. But you have to have some optimism. That's why we need you, Brianna, to be optimistic. Oh, thank you. So, yeah. What's that? I said thank you. You're welcome. So, young optimist, young Padawan, can you help inspire people? Let's say, yes, this will work. Yes, we can change this. Because the alternative is economic suicide and then, you know, national suicide, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of being a patriot, you know. If 
doing whatever you can, you know, to ensure your freedoms. Mm-hmm. So what can you do? What's your what's your object? What 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 measures can you take right now? Um. So right now, the first thing that you do, and I guess the realm of the United States that we're in right now is first, mm-hmm. you know, stay updated and and know what's going on and figure out what's mm-hmm. going on and and uh, find places and sources to educate yourself and to understand the problem. Then. Mm-hmm. Look for the solutions, solutions that people have proposed, like what you've done so far, and solutions to different problems that you can think of. Then it's the ways to um, get those solutions out and actually enacted, which would be like yours, you know, to get the word about bills out, to get the word about learning about action radio, where people can learn about the bills and Uh want to get the bills out. And influencing, you know, state legislatures and senators and just as many people as you can about the goals you want in order to change them. And then hopefully from there, there'll be enough influence to where you can actually make those changes. Mm-hmm. There's more than that though too. And I want you to think about this uh, as well, because when I talk about us being major public figures, I'm not kidding. <laughs> the potential is there. And what I see you doing and don't get too swelled ahead on this, but I see you influencing millions of young people, uh, not just in this country, but around the world and, and in a good way in a patriotic way, uh, the opposite of Greta Thunberg, you know, who says, how dare you? How dare you? You know, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but think about that, that, that your courage, you're fearless. I know you're fearless. I mean, this is why you're here and you're brilliant. And so this combination of being fearless and brilliant and, and having the courage to fight these things uh, and fight all these problems and, and to be able to learn about these issues and talk about them, uh, I think it's going to put you in an incredible position. And of course, I don't know. I can't guarantee it. I have no idea for sure. But this is my guess. Uh, as I push forward with this and we get folks like, let's just say Brandon Straka, for example, million followers, walk away foundation. What if he says, great, this is really cool. You know, I said, I'm going to take this to my, my followers. We're going to start, uh, we're going to start uh, helping your bills and sponsoring your bills. And all of a sudden we get a whole lot more listeners. Then what you'll be able to do is influence tons of people and inspire them. Uh, and you'd be the counter to um, all the, uh, the, the bad news and the cynicism and, and the young folks that are just, you know, going along and, and don't realize the power they have. It's going to be really important, I think. And, you know, like I say, it's possible I'm completely wrong. We never get anywhere, but I don't think so. I think this is going to work. This is why I do it. But you're going to be positioned to influence a whole lot of folks. And you don't have to do anything different. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to change anything about you. You don't have to change your approach to this. Just be yourself. Because where you are right now is perfect to be able to influence a huge amount of people. That's why I have young folks on the show. So don't take that as a burden. <laughs> take it as a compliment. <laughs> okay. Now yeah, you can do it. You'll be fine. But here's the thing, too. Um, when the show hopefully gets as big as I think it can... I'm not changing people. <laughs> the folks that are on now are still going to be on. I'm not going to go for superstars. I'm not going to do the, 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 you know, the, I'm not going to be on the circuit of the usual talking heads. I'm still going to have the same people on that are on right now. This show will not change. And that's how we're going to do it. It's designed for, for just us regular folks out here, uh, regular voices to make a huge difference. That's the whole point of it. Anyway, 
I think I monopolized your whole hour. What did you want to talk about? <laughs> Justin's going to be here in a couple of minutes probably, but uh, what's on your mind? Anything else? Yeah, have, I, have, I, um, have I totally thrown you with all that or, or what? Uh, well, I think we finished that topic. Um, I'm going to have to go here in like a minute or two, but oh, okay, um, something I guess to further look into if you want to, because I haven't looked much into it, but there was a testimony by somebody in Illinois, and she was saying how she lives in this really rural area, like uh-huh. extremely rural, where it's like really difficult to find a house. Uh-huh. Um, and she was saying that like in the town that she lives in, they put these trailers up at the fairgrounds, and they're CDC trailers. Oh. And then she was saying that, yeah, a couple weeks later, I think she was, like, saying two weeks maybe or something, um, mm-hmm. is whenever they came in. And then they started going door to door and asking people that that lived out there because they, they she was seeing how they came up to her house. They knew her name, knew where she lived, and knew she was unvaccinated. And then they were asking, um, they were asking her a bunch of questions. And the two of the things that she identified, the two two of the questions that she was talking about, the first one was their stance on the Second Amendment. And then the other one is if they want to participate, research, if they want to participate in research and take tests. For $150 for an adult and $60 per child. So the CDC in these trailers were coming up to these houses, knew their names, knew where they lived, knew they were unvaccinated, was asking about guns, and then wanted to take tests on them and track research. And they were paying adults $150 to do it and children $60 to run tests on them and research. Do you know what kind of tests we're and talking so, about? Of course, these like blood tests said or? no. Yeah, are they blood tests yeah, or knowledge see, that's tests? Hmm. Yeah, so that's my question. That you know, what all are all the questions? How long are they? Who all did they ask? What are the tests? What are they doing? You know, it's like this. I mean, because this is obviously not right. But what exactly is everything that happened? You know, how far? How did they know they hadn't <laughs> taken a vaccination? I mean, the C. I don't report to the CDC my my health records. Yeah, I. I don't know. But that's my first question. How did, how did they know? And we, we heard about the CDC it was going to go around. Remember that voluntary program? They're going to go knock on doors. Hi, we're from the CDC. We're here to help you. By the way, we see by our records that you haven't had mm-hmm. your jab yet. You know, would you like to die tomorrow? No. Okay. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, I, don't show up at my door. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I was, I'll talk to you through the window, but you're not coming in. And uh, no, you're not going to convince me to take a jab. I feel just fine, thank you. I've already been through, yeah. you know. But uh, but think about that. So this is the power of government. This is where it gets insane. This is where the, the, the power of these people, they have to be stopped. Again, freedom works. They should have no business. CDC should not be going up to individuals, you know, soliciting money from them. And they're doing it for poor folks because they know they need the money. Well, whose money are they using? Our money. So they're making us poor to gain control over these people. This is really insidious. Yeah, find out more about it. And if you want yeah. to send me an article, I can post it uh, on Facebook. Um, and uh, I'd be curious. Do you, do you have a source on this? Where did you find this? Yes. Um, here, let me go back to it. What's it called again? Oh, okay. Oh, you take your time. i got to text Josie and find out where she is. Oh, there she is. Yeah. <laughs> that was fast. 
bring up she has a comment for you. Let She's me. probably listening. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, I don't see her name. Huh. Okay. Well, let me uh, let me get bringing Josie to the conversation before I play our theme. Josie, do you have a question for Brianna? We've been talking about a lot of uh, cryptocurrency and economics and depression in 2008 and 2023, and it's, it's the same thing all over again. We've seen this before. Oh, yeah, we have. Good morning. Um, I don't have a question, but uh, it's all coming down the pike, and uh, I think a lot uh, of the banks are going to follow. So my husband is about to go get some money out of the bank this morning. That's and good. I think a lot of people are going to be doing the same thing. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's called a run on the banks. So, Brianna, watch out for that in the news. Yeah. That, uh, as Brianna, well, she, she mentioned something earlier um, that uh, talking about how banks loan out money. All banks have always loaned out money. That's how banks make money. So they, they have what's called the discount rate, Brianna. That's the amount mm-hmm. of money that they have, the percentage of money they have to keep in in the bank, usually 10%. So a bank only has about 10% of the money that depositors think they have on account actually in the bank. So if you, if you go to the bank, and the rest of it's supposedly guaranteed by the federal government, but you know damn well they can't guarantee you know, 250 million bank accounts or 300 million bank accounts, however many billion bank accounts there are in this country. And you know the illegals, they're sending okay. their money out of the country right now. <laughs> you know? so, oh, yeah. But banks have always done this. So the, so the way that re- banks are regulated by, what they, by setting that discount rate. Now, if the Fed sets it higher, if they say set it 20%, then the banks have to keep 20% of their money in the bank for depositors. That's still not very much, but it's more than 10%. And that means the banks can't loan that money out for mortgages and things like that to make money on it. So their profits mm-hmm. drop and they actually it's... lose money in that process. So let me get in one more comment from Brianna and then go to Josie. Brianna, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, um, I actually do have to go now. Sorry. That's fine. No, no problem. God bless you. Yeah. We'll get you coming next week then. You Thanks. Good. Great report this morning, by the way. This is really fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Okay. Bye. 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 Brianna's a great sign off. Bye. (laughs) We'll get you an official one in a bit. All right, let's get to Josie's report. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossie knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Yeah, I have to get a little comment to Brianna. We'll see if we can get her to say this is Brianna Cannon uh, with the Government Inquiry Report for Action Radio or something like that. We'll, we'll give her something. Hey, she's so good though. This is, she is so smart. I, I hope I didn't overburden her with the fact that. Uh, but I want to get her prepared and all of us prepared for the fact that we could be very, very public, and I want people to understand yeah. that. Um, now I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. But anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, good yeah, go morning ahead. to all the listeners this morning. Buenos días, chica. Buenos días. Buenos días. Buenos días. Yeah. Guten Tag. Konnichiwa, <laughs> I don't know about those. <laughs> That's Japanese. 
Japanese, Japanese, Japanese. Yeah, yeah exactly. so. I like Japanese. Oh, I tell you. I want to go to Japan. Uh, I want to study Japan. I, I, I love the discipline and the drive of the Japanese. Um, it's, it's fascinating culture, yeah. I have a, I have a friend that she's from Japan. I haven't heard from her in a little while though. Hmm. Uh, and uh, when she moved back to Japan, because her husband is military, they were there. Stash, yeah, they were. I guess they were going to be there stashing it for two two years or something like that. Mm-hmm. She was telling me that one gallon of milk was ten dollars when they first oh, moved sh- back. They were like, I know. Wow. <laughs> it is insane. They were going yeah. to Tokyo, I guess. Yeah, everything very expensive, like never seen before. So Japan's an island, but, uh, and everything has to be whatever they can't grow or produce there has to be brought in. Oh, so yeah. it gets really expensive. Plus, they have a whole bunch of people, and cities are always more expensive because you got transportation, uh-huh. storage. You know, Tokyo, Osaka, Yokohama. You know, the big cities of Japan uh, are massive, uh-huh. and it's not that big an island. So you got a lot of people in a small space, yeah. and that, you know, competition for goods and services makes it expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But talking about countries, um, people are very, very excited and pleased in El Salvador. Uh, President Najib, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how to say his name that well. He, he looks like an it? Arab man. You oh, okay. How do you spell N-A- it? Okay. N A Y I B is in boys. Najib. Najib? It actually sounds Persian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend. Yeah, uh, I had a friend mm-hmm. Navid uh, in Australia. He was he was from Persia or Iran, um, you know. And his, his mm-hmm. Navid was his first name because that's like David, uh, the rough equivalent. So Naib for a last name. It does. It sounds either it sounds Middle Eastern possibly. Well, it's okay. Hey, listen. Remember Fujimori, yeah. uh, the president of uh-huh. I think, Argentina. He was Japanese origin. This is, yeah. this is a large Japanese population in Argentina. So yeah, you know. In Argentina, he was a good president Italian, apparently. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway. this guy from El Salvador, he looks uh, he looks like he's from the Middle East, blood related. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, because he does look Spanish, but he lo- he has that physique of a uh, Middle Eastern, you know. But uh, let me tell you, his country uh, for the last eight months they've been arresting MS13. They've been cleaning house. Uh, people are so overwhelmed. I I cannot see. Uh, <clears throat> These people going back, though. Some people might be going back, but I don't know. I was talking to a, a young man at a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, uh, last Sunday that we ate there, and uh, he was from El Salvador, and he was bragging about his president and all that, so excited. And he said that the president from El Salvador asked the whole country to get on their knees and pray to 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 the country to be free, you know. So he said the whole country is on fire right now. Uh, for God, uh, people are turning their their eyes to the Lord now, which is great. Let me tell you, this is this is so this good. Is so critical. Yeah, this is really this yeah. is really important. Yeah. My opinion is that. This is part of draining the swamp that Trump and uh-huh. I'm almost I'm almost I will say uh I don't know the percentage, 
maybe 70%, 80% that Donald Trump is part of cleaning this swamp. Because we talked about Trump that. Trump wants to... Remember we talked about that, yeah. that Trump should go to El Salvador yeah. and he should bring in investors from around the oh, world yeah. and he well, should, uh, should build up the yeah. free market? We mm-hmm. did it like a year or so, a year, a year, year and a half ago we were talking about this. Yeah. So when Donald Trump promised that he was going to drain the swamp, we didn't understand. We thought he meant here with the criminal left radical communist Democrats. Right. Uh, that's what we thought. But really and truly, he started with Ukraine, and I guess he's cleaning El Salvador, and I don't know how many other countries he's going to be cleaning up because a lot of the MS-13, they come back and forth to America, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Pensacola, we we have more than 4,000 MS-13 running around here, loose. And uh, they need to be gone. But Trump is going to have a massive deportation when he comes back. How's he going to do it? And I know he will. But how's he going to do it, though? That's the question. That's the question I have. And I want to get Peter Navarro back on the show. I want to ask him the same, because he's talked about this, too. He said, we're going to get rid of the 15 million people that Brandon brought in, that invasion. My question is how? I know how to do it. I don't know. I've got my idea. They, Um, They know how. I don't know how. Okay, but, um, well, I'm just curious. He will. Well, how, how would you do it? Yeah. Uh, the way that you would do it, and I'm a, I'm a Latina, and I know <laughs> that a lot of Latinos are under the uh, system collecting uh, food stamps. Uh, they're getting free college, a lot of the mm-hmm. young uh, uh, college kids. Uh, so I, I believe it's easy to get them, yeah. And deport all of them. And I, I don't know if he's going to touch DACA, like I mentioned last week or not. But uh, he's promised that he's going to have a massive deportation coming up. And it's mm-hmm. sad because, like I said before, a lot of people are selling everything that they own to make it here, you know. I saw a report like think. that last night. That uh, that's the thing. They, the, the, I forgot where the news report was. Maybe one American news. And there was somebody on. They were talking just about this. That the reason they're selling everything is because not only do they think they can come here, but they think they can stay here. And exactly. what Trump should really well here. I got a question for you. The, the, I've noticed that there's a change out there. Uh, that it seems to me that some places, and I've forgotten where it was, they're sort of like the Middle East, perhaps uh, Saudi Arabia, but they're, they're subtly gearing up. Uh, or maybe the Mexican cartels. You know how the cartels turned in for their own, for killing Americans? Yeah. That's a, that's a very mm-hmm. unusual thing. My guess is that the, 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 the really smart people out there have already determined that Trump's going to be back in office. And the cartels, mm-hmm. they don't want to get killed, basically, because Trump would do it, and I wish he would. Uh, so did a lot of Mexicans, yeah, by the way. Um, but uh, if mm-hmm. he sends the military across the border, uh, which he should do, considering they're invading us with fentanyl and people, um, that uh, if the cartels get get killed, you know, because they're a national security danger to us, I think they're I think they're expecting that. I think they're gearing up for that. I think that people are coming in now as quickly as they can because they know uh, that Trump's going to cut this off. And uh, but I think the problem is a lot of these people are paying a fortune, you know, because they mm-hmm. think that they think once they're here they're going to stay here. What I'm saying is no. Yeah. That Trump really should start making yeah. it clear. He says, look, you better clear out now. If you came in under Brandon, you better leave because you're not going to stay here. This was never a legal yeah. policy. First of all, he's not a legal president. Secondly, anything he does is illegal. And thirdly, we can't have this precedent of illegals crossing our border. We just can't stand this. 
It's, it's terrible yeah. for the country. It's, you know, so, so what I would do, and then we've talked about this before, is asset forfeiture. So as you, mm-hmm. as you correctly stated, you cut off all the welfare, all the benefits, all the college, any taxpayer money in any form, in any way that goes to any illegal for any reason needs to stop. That's the first thing. That's the, that's the carrot mm-hmm. side. The stick side is, yep. you know, carrot and the stick, as I say, you, you know, it's like a mule. A mule gets hit, get hit with a stick, we'll walk forward. Put a carrot in front of him, the mule will walk forward. Either way, so it's reward or punishment. So, the, so you take away all the rewards. Then you have the punishments. The punishment is asset forfeiture. So any illegal alien in the country, you know, after, say, three months, <laughs> or whatever arbitrary time you pick, or I would actually mm-hmm. immediately just say, look, you're, you're, all your assets are subject to seizure. Everything that you have in this country, if you're an illegal alien, is illegal. You got it illegally, just like a drug dealer. There's no difference between a crack yeah. house and, 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 a prop, and property owned by an illegal alien. They're both a result of criminal activity. And so through the ITIN number, the individual tax identification number, uh, and through just knowing who the illegals are by the, all the illegal government benefits, all the illegals, plus you have the list of people that haven't shown up for their immigration hearing. We have a lot of sources of who the illegals are. Mm-hmm. They start seizing their stuff. Yeah. I don't think we should pay for know, deportation. And, we should make them pay for deportation. Yeah. And you know, Greg, uh, mm-hmm. Trump was talking a few months back. Uh, he said, there's no drugs in China. There's no crimes like this in China, drug dealing mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. And if they find one, their penalty is death. And um, so he's been kind of like bringing that up because I believe that's what he's going to do with the cartels here. Uh, if they get caught uh, here in America, I think the penalty will be death. They're not even just going to go to jail and leave our our tax dollars. I think he's going to get rid of a bunch of these uh, maggots uh, that they're destroying our young people. And our government is the one involved with the cartels, making all this money, bringing fentanyl. And the fentanyl is coming from China, believe it or not. Oh, I believe uh, it. No, I've heard, I've heard coming, exactly that. Yep. Yeah, it's coming to Mexico. Well, a lot of it is probably coming directly to Venezuela, and from Venezuela it's making its way to Honduras, and from Honduras to Mexico, and then straight into this country. And our corrupt communist government is involved making all this money, and that's why a lot of the property was being bought in cash. And our government, judges, lawyers, uh, banks, uh, officers, and a lot of real estate brokers are all in this, involved, and Hillary has her hands in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is uh, this is big. This is big, and I know this lady uh, that I reported uh, a couple of weeks ago. She she was talking about this in their court system in Arizona. So it's coming. This whole thing and the money, the money. Like I said before. Um, they're not to worry about this money because anything that people will lose in their bank account, I believe that Donald Trump will replace all their money lost because all this money that is going to be stolen from people's hard work and sweat and retirement, uh, it's not going to be worth nothing for all these criminals. Donald Trump will not replace dollar for dollar to all these uh countries and banks and criminals literally criminals 
uh, from one day you have uh, $10 million in the bank for rich people I'm talking about, and then the next day you cannot get in at all. And that's what happened in Venezuela. Venezuela, we know somebody very, very rich. From one minute and the next minute, everything was frozen. She barely got out with her suitcase from Venezuela, mm. and she wow. had to start all over again in in Miami. They did have a little bank account, but most of the money was in Venezuela. So these criminals are organizing this whole thing, let me tell you, to, mm-hmm. to hurt the American people. And this is well organized, this whole thing. This yeah, is not something that, oh, what? Yeah. You know, government policy One. caused this problem. Government policy can fix this problem. And the way you fix the problem uh, is that you make the illegals pay. You have civil asset forfeiture. You make them pay for their own departure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you could say, look, we'll, we'll give you your money back once you leave the country. <laughs> you know, maybe or, or, or even we'll take part of it back. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll make it easy for you to leave. But here's what's so critical about El Salvador. And this is why I thought Trump should go there and, mm-hmm. and make that a prosperous country. We know freedom works. We know a free market works. We talked about that earlier in the show. We know that when banks fail because they're stupid, you know, that's a good thing. It means good banks who are smart, who make good loans, who invest in, in good things with their, with their depositors' money will succeed and make everybody money. That's a good thing. So those banks should succeed. Mm-hmm. And the ones that fail because they're woke, you know, rich idiots, you know, then they should fail. But here's the thing about El Salvador. El Salvador proves you don't have to come to the United States for a better life, that you can have a better life in your country if it's free. So it's not coming to the United States that makes your life better. It's making your own country free that makes your life better. Mm-hmm. And this is why you don't hear about El Salvador. See, the more – this is I think we should talk about El Salvador. That the more we talk about mm-hmm. El Salvador, and I'd love to have the president on the show, but the more El Salvador gets free, the more prosperity, the less corruption. The corruption gets reduced when you have a big middle class, when people don't have to live by bribery of public officials because they have money. Yeah. They can buy stuff. Oh, yeah. So freedom is the greatest enemy of corruption, the greatest enemy of oppression, the greatest enemy of tyranny, mm-hmm. and the greatest Absolutely. way to prosperity for the greatest number of people. I should write that down somewhere. That was mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. But, that's, but El Salvador is, is like the case study. Well, we have to come to the United States for a better life. Well, a lot of people are coming here and they're not getting a better life. They can have a better life in any of these countries. You know, it's interesting that neither Honduras no, nor Guatemala listen to Action Radio anymore. I think the reason is because the people that yeah. wanted a better life, they're already here in the United States. They're listening here. <laughs> you know, people in El yeah. Salvador are still listening. <laughs> Why? Because they want prosperity in their country. And, so, you, and you know, uh, uh-huh. there are some people that I personally know. One girl that dances Zumba with me, she's from El Salvador. Uh-huh. And, uh, and she makes a lot of money here, and she's sending all her money over there. She's building a house over there. And, She's doing everything. She mm-hmm. lives that with her necessities. Yeah. She's illegal. And no, she saying, had a baby oh, she's and illegal. baby was born here. Yeah. Huh? Well, I mean, so, yeah. so which, I didn't say, so, so she's an illegal. So her child, contrary to popular belief, is not an American citizen, but will be treated as one because they were born on mm-hmm. U.S. soil. So that whole birthright thing has to stop. We've got to correct Like the millions. <laughs> well, no. Yeah, exactly. Well, she's not legal. She's not a legal citizen. Her parents were not legal Americans when she was born. Exactly. They were, they were, they were yeah. both. One, one didn't even have a visa, I think, and the other one had an expired visa. So she's not yeah, a legal citizen. They were not legal. Yeah. So, this mm-hmm. is, so, so she's only vice president by, by, by criminal action, by, an act, by a criminal act of government. Well, of course, the whole government was stolen, so we know it's a criminal act. But the thing is, it's going to – now, this is, this is going to be the hardest one to do, okay? Uh, it's one thing to take away assets from illegal aliens that are here now. It's another thing to tell millions of people 
that the citizenship they thought they had was never properly given. It was given by mistake. It was given by a policy Mm -hmm. that was wrong, that there is no law behind it, that the Constitution specifically forbids in the 14th Amendment giving citizenship to people who are not, you know, the responsibility of the United States, that their citizen jurisdiction is with another country because they are citizens of a country. Foreign nationals cannot give birth to Americans. I don't care where they are. You know, that's insane. So the yeah. idea that, that it, so, so why would two parents of Honduras be able to uh, give birth to, an, if, if, you know, in Honduras or, or if they give birth in the United States? It doesn't matter because it's citizenship yeah. jurisdiction. The fact that two Hondurans give birth to a child does not make that child American. It wouldn't make no. that child American if they're born in Honduras. Why would it make them, that child American if they're born here? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. But, and then, uh, and then uh, I have, mm-hmm. I know this girl that, um, I guess five years ago when she was here, or six years or whatever, she had a baby here, and then they moved back to Brazil, and uh, they're getting all these benefits while she's in Brazil for her baby. And Mm -hmm. she just got here this year to go to Disney World with her little boy and her husband pregnant to come and have another baby here. Of course. That's not fair to us. Well, it's, it's, it's illegal. This, this, let me give you the 14th Amendment. For all those people that don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to make this very, very mm-hmm. clear, that yes. the jurisdiction in the 14th Amendment is not geographical. In other words, it's not the physical soil of the United States. The jurisdiction of the 14th Amendment is citizenship jurisdiction. In other words, your country of citizenship. And it says very clearly, all persons born or naturalized in the United States that's you and me, we're naturalized here, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, which, in other words, we could not have been naturalized unless we were already subject to U.S. jurisdiction. So we were subject to U.S. jurisdiction because we were legal permanent residents. We had a green card. That made us subject to U.S. jurisdiction. So any kids that you and I had as legal permanent residents are Americans because we're under U.S. jurisdiction. Any, any kids that, that parents have who are not under your jurisdiction, who are here on, uh, for any, any illegal means, they are not under our jurisdiction. They're under the jurisdiction of the country of their citizenship. They cannot give birth to Americans. They're here on an aircraft, on a ship at sea, nowhere. You cannot give birth to an American unless the parents are under the jurisdiction, at least one parent is under the jurisdiction of the United States by mm-hmm. either being a citizen or a legal permanent resident. That is it. It's right there in the 14th Amendment. I'm not making this stuff up. Yeah. But what yeah. it means is because this policy has been allowed to go on, it's not a law. There's no law that says this has to happen. Hospitals are just issuing birth certificates and calling these people Americans. So the hospitals are the problem. They need to stop doing that. If I actually have a law, I have a, I have a bill, one of our bills says that hospitals can no, cannot issue citizenship to people who are not citizens. They can't do it. So, but, and it, but we have compu- we got supercomputers. Listen, if they can spy on every aspect of our lives, they know who the people were who were mistakenly given American citizenship, and we can correct it by computer. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're going to be. I, I don't know if he's going to deport all the ones within a couple of years, like I said before in the show, or I don't know how uh-huh. far back he's going to go. Mm-hmm. But he has all the information he needs, I believe. But how do you and, deport 30 million uh, people? Of, uh, how do you deport 30 million people? That's expensive. I don't know. How he's going to clean house. That's what he said. No, no, he no, will, and I know he will. But, 
Well, let me ask you, if you're, you know, other than having the people leave themselves because you're going to take all their stuff, how do you get 30 million people to leave the country so we can have a country free of illegal aliens? We have a right to a country free of illegal aliens. Other than having the people leave themselves because we're going to take all their stuff, how do you get them out? You can't, you, you try rounding up that many people, 300, you try rounding up 30 million people. That's like rounding up everybody who lives in New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. So, yeah. plus it would be very expensive. You got to because they're going to be hidden. They're going to run around the country. They're going to they're going to take all their illegal assets and keep keep on the move. They're going to be hiding in sanctuary cities, sanctuary towns, sanctuary churches, sanctuary uh, you know Catholic charities. They're going to be hiding everywhere. But if you take their stuff, I, I don't think we're going to have sanctuary cities anymore. No. That's okay, be so, all right, so, so let's get rid of that. But yeah. you've still got 30 million people that you have to kick out of the country. And the best way to do it is to have them leave on their own. Do you remember what happened when Eisenhower mm-hmm. cracked down? We, did, we talked about this earlier on the show, maybe a few months ago. Eisenhower had a crackdown on illegal aliens. He started rounding up illegals and kicking them out. Well, millions mm-hmm. more left so they wouldn't be kicked out on their mm-hmm. own. Oh. Maybe that's what's going to happen once they find out. Oh, because yeah. I, I know... Yeah, because I noticed um, some of the people that they're working here illegally and they buy all these tools and all this equipment to to make a lot of money, you know, mm-hmm. and then they're desperately selling it to get out uh, mm-hmm. because they're leaving. They made all the money they wanted, roofing and whatever jobs they're doing right now, a lot. So they're mm-hmm. making quite a bit of money, and they're happy, and then they just dump their uh, equipment so cheap. They sell it so cheap, you know, to mm-hmm. get out. But they mm-hmm. made all the money that they wanted to make. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how how Trump is going to do it, but I've been making comments on this president from uh, uh, El Salvador, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been uh, telling people that Donald Trump is going to deport he's going to do, I'm telling people in Spanish so they can read it. Mm-hmm. And we need to start warning them. That way they keep coming in. They stay over there where they belong. Well, I, I, have, I have said since the beginning that Trump should have had people on the border <clears throat> ever since Brandon illegally occupied the White House, handing out cards to all the illegals saying, don't get comfortable, you're not staying. I mean, that's, that's psychological warfare, you know, 101. Of course, nobody took me up on my idea, which is usually what happens. But um, that's how you do it, though. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let me ask you about uh, yeah. something that this is sort of like a, we had this conversation off the air a little bit, but uh, Americano Radio, you would be the perfect host, Chica, for Americano Radio. Americano uh-huh. Radio. Yeah. The, the conservative Latino, or Latina in this case. Latina. Um, Latina radio station. Yeah. So there's a bunch of, so Americana radio, I saw the guy interviewed. He was on uh, with my friend, Emerald Robinson, who interviewed me on our vaccine product liability uh-huh. bill. He was on there yesterday. So you can, you probably get the podcast, but just look at him. Just look it up. Uh-huh. Americana radio. Uh, it is a, it's a conservative alternative to what's his name? Jorge Ramos. You know, oh, and his uh, radio vision. What's that? What's his, what's his network called? Univision. Univision. Gracias. Mm-hmm. So Univision, how do you say is corrupt? <laughs> Corrompido. 
Yeah, corrompido. Es muy corrompido. Yeah. Univision es yeah. mucho corrompido. Means oh, there we go. Okay, so I'll work on my I'm working on my pronunciation, but the, but that's the thing. On your so, so you need you need a show. Uh, you know, you should call your show. Uh, uh, I don't know. What do we call it? Action Radio Latina or Latina Action Radio, or you can call it whatever you want. Oh, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Uh, talk about our bills, <laughs> you know. But I would love to have a Spanish audience, Spanish speaking audience. I would love to have a Spanish speaking audience associated with Action Radio. And you're the one to do it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're only bilingual. People have been asking me, why don't I have my YouTube channel? And I said, eh, I don't know about YouTube. I might do we something do YouTube. else. But well, I just let's don't look have up right time. Now. I know. Yeah. Come on. You can do a radio show. Just I don't have time. I'm, I'm a missionary. Oh, yeah. I run a business. I'm helping everybody. And, you know, it's just Well, you, you can do your show on your missions. You, can, you know, when I start Maybe taking when off and I doing. Maybe uh, store. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying what? to give my daughter my business, you know. I said, you can have it. And she goes, nah. She goes, if you give it to me, I'll sell it. I said, no, you're not going to do that. So, you know, kids. She's 28, of course. She's not a kid. But yeah. she's not interested in my business at all. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah. I, I want to retire and do other things, you know. Hey, listen, I'd have my kid in action radio. She'd be the producer if I could, but, you know. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Love so, to bring her well, Sometimes here. kids don't want to get involved in the business that you're doing, but sometimes mm-hmm. they do. So, you know. That'd be nice. Yeah. You cannot force them, but who knows? Oh, no. Oh, no. I don't, I don't want to force anybody. You know, but, yeah. uh, but she'd be another young person who'd be a great voice on this show. You know, we've got, uh, uh, I want to get uh, Amber back if I can. Uh, Candace is on Friday. She's a great young voice on the show. Brianna, of course, is brilliant. Um, Okay. Now she's doing research projects and bringing them to the show. And so we're, you know, we need a few more, you know, younger folks involved with young action radio. People, yeah. I love young people on the show. Cause they're, they're, especially the ones that we have uh, that are so interested and encouraged and, and, you know, basically fearless about what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need a, we need a young dude. I want to get uh, Christian back if I can. Uh, Shelby's kid. Christian. That's the name I was thinking about. Remember him? He's Remember him when Shelby when Shelby couldn't uh, when Shelby couldn't do cruise and travel? We had Christian fill in, so we got to get Christian back. Yeah. In fact, I actually talked to her about that. I'm going to talk to her again. But we we need a young dude he's, to go with the, the young women. He's very and, smart. Yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's he would probably be our youngest. He he might be 15 or he might be 16. He might be Brianna's age. I'm not sure yet. We'll find out. Anyway, got to get him back. In fact, I'd like to get those two on the same show sometime. Just let them talk. That yeah. would be fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, we'll work on that. But. Um, we got Brandon Strack coming know, up at the Greg, top of the hour. That's going to be fun. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, if a lot of people are willing to go back uh, to their own countries. Uh, talking about illegals in this country, uh-huh. uh, I think they they think they deserve to be here. Many of them, uh, because when you talk to them, it's like, well, we're going to be here. Well, nobody's going to tell us where to go and what to do. And, you know, they think they own America, and uh, it bothers me when I see rude people like that, you know. And there's many. But then there's other people that they're very humble, and they're coming here hard and to try to make a living. And uh, I noticed, like I told you a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. a lot of people are coming with their visa for three months just to work, make quite a bit of money and then go back again and then they get another visa and another six months to come back and work again and they're being higher everywhere 
including the airport here locally, is hiring people from other countries, especially from Chile and Argentina. They're hiring a lot of those people right now because a lot of the uh, crew at the airport, they don't want to work. So I don't understand. How are these people surviving? I I thought our government was going to stop giving free money. I don't understand, and and this is part of the agenda, part of destroying the United States completely. Uh, yep. But Trump is not going to allow it, so it's coming soon. So we just have to write it out and wait a little bit. Well, there's a, there's a problem because a lot of people you know, they keep saying, well, these are jobs that Americans don't want to do, when in actual fact it's jobs that Americans can't afford to do, uh, because it takes a certain level of income to support a family. And most young people, most working mm-hmm. people, you know, a lot of them have families. And so you can't say that, that that's, that's what's going on because you're, it's, not, it's not a fair statement. So mm-hmm. Americans have always done jobs. Americans, you know, have worked every job there is. Look at uh, Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs. Those are Americans working all mm-hmm. those jobs, you know. And yeah. a lot of white guys, everybody makes fun of. Yeah, a lot of white guys doing dirty jobs, folks. Who do you think's down your sewers and up your power lines and, you know, driving your trucks and everything else? A bunch of white guys, just to let you know. So anyway, so these jobs have always been done by Americans, but they've been done because Americans mm-hmm. needed the work, but the, the work actually paid enough for Americans to be able to do them. You know, and see, this is why mm-hmm. illegal aliens are so insidious to our economy, uh, and this is why unemployment is so bad, because when the government engineers unemployment, and the, the, uh, you talk to any economist, they say, well, 4% unemployment is, uh, we, we call that mm-hmm. zero unemployment. That's like the normal state. No, it's not normal at all. They maintain 4% unemployment so that wage earners have pressure on them to work for less money because they know there's enough people. At 4%, there's enough people willing to take any job uh, and work for less. Any job. Where if you have like 1% mm-hmm. unemployment or, or 0% unemployment, which is what it's supposed to be, then people actually get a chance to negotiate a decent wage for themselves. Mm-hmm. Not like the corporations don't have the money. They do. You know, so... Uh, Henry Ford realized that he paid Henry Ford paid the highest wages in the, in the, in the working world. Why? Because he knew people wanted to have families and buy cars and he could, he knew people couldn't buy his products. if He didn't pay a decent amount of money. So Henry Ford paid the greatest wages. So everybody wanted to work at Ford. They made money. Middle class. Henry Ford helped create the middle class because he realized the corporations should be paying, you know, decent wages to people. That's why we have unions. I'm not against unions. I'm just against government unions. Well, the, the, unions, uh-huh. the unions, they started good, but they got so corrupted. They're not the same like they used to be back uh-huh. in the old days. The unions are very corrupt. And, and well, you know, Greg, yeah. uh-huh. I went shopping to BJ's because I normally go there at Sam's Club. And uh, they have all the registers closed. Once in a great while, there's one open, but they want you to go through the uh, self-check line, you know, and a lot of older people, they don't want to deal with that. So they're being frustrated. Uh, so I told one of the cashier girls that she's kind of like standing around to help, you know. Uh, I said, you know, sweetie, pretty soon the machines are going to run the whole show and you guys are going to be without a job. And she goes, oh, please don't say that. She goes, because I need to finish my college and I really need this job, you know. But there's yeah. barely any staff anymore at BJ's. And then in the bakery department, I was getting some Cuban bread a couple of weeks ago because I get uh-huh. it once in a while. Um, and the lady in the bakery, uh, she was still wearing a mask. 
And I said, <laughs> what? I said, you still wearing the mask? Yeah. She goes, yes, because I'm not vaccinated. So they're forcing us to wear the mask if you're not vaccinated. I mean, what so in other words, <laughs> So unless you yeah. take a, a dangerous shot that causes people to drop dead, you know, on, a, on, a, on an all too regular basis now, that's proven to not do anything uh, because people with uh, with a shot get COVID all the time. In fact, far more people get COVID who've had the, 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 the blood clot shot uh, than have not. I mean, those of us that had COVID mm-hmm. and are immune, you know, did you ever get COVID again after you had it? Because I didn't. No, I never did. And I don't know why people keep saying, oh, I have COVID three times. I said, well, I don't see how you well, have, have COVID three, three times. times. Yeah. Well, and, well they might have got variants. Now, we're talking about people that have never received a jab. How many people who have never uh-huh. received a jab got COVID more than once? Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I keep hearing some people saying, oh, I had it three times. I have more COVID again and again. I'm like, I don't see how it's possible. No, you must you have know? a jab. Yeah, unless they're just calling you to get COVID. Because people get COVID But you know what? First, uh-huh. I thought people just wanted to wear their mask every time I went to BJ's. But finally, this lady told me, no, she said, if you don't have that car, she goes, huh. we have to wear the stupid mask, she goes, hmm. and covering our nose. Said, Which actually oh, promotes COVID because it's a breeding ground for bacteria and germs and, uh, and viruses. I mean, those, those masks are like a Petri dish. Yeah, they're dirty. Yeah, and well, all the uh, inside is bad. These people don't worry. These people should, if a company says you have to wear a mask, they should say, okay, great, uh, but you have to test the mask and, and test it and see, send it to an independent lab and see what's in it. Well, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to wear a mask. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't wear a mask anyway. Um, but just, but yeah, and you know, another, another church member collapsed a oh, few days I'm ago. So, <gasps> I'm so sorry. And, uh, she is dead yesterday. Oh. I believe she died yesterday. So wow. Another one. I'm we're, so... we're burying people every week at Ali Baptist Church and it's sad. How Very many of sad. them, how many people have died in the last two years? that did not have, I mean, I'm sure some, because, you know, you have older members of the church, but how many people have died uh, who did not get uh, any uh, vaccine shot at all? It's hard to tell right now because there's a lot of older folks that got the vaccine. So they're tricked right now at the hospital. She's saying, oh, she had blood disorder that she's been dealing with a while back, and now she's full of blood clots and whatever. You know, uh-huh. oh, and, and she saw all she had a little bit of cancer now because you know what the vaccines are doing. They're speeding up the process in your body, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, she died because she was a smoker. You know, actually, the smokers are living longer than the rest of the people because for mm-hmm. whatever reason, the poison doesn't like, doesn't like the nicotine in, in the system, you know. Oh, that's interesting. And that's why a lot of the criminal Democrats were coming out and saying, oh, stop smoking so so you don't get sick with COVID and all that. And, and the same thing they're doing with the eggs. The yolk of the eggs is, is curing COVID. They don't uh-huh. want you to have eggs. That's what they're trying to tamper with the food for the chickens. And my chickens are not laying eggs still, so we, we've been changing the food around yeah. now. We found the brand so name, Tractor we'll Supply. If you look on our special investigations yeah. page and the vaccine page is Tractor Supply is the, is the place where they got the bad food. Yeah, Tractor Supply is where we got it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the you need you need to chicken. get some yeah, you need you need organic food. So what we need to do is find a good uh organic and I buy my eggs from friends of mine. 
and uh, they don't use mm-hmm. that for you know. In, in fact, uh, the, the sh- you know you, you get natural farm eggs. You know you can keep them in your cabinet. You don't have to put them in the fridge uh, unless you're going to keep them for yeah. a couple of weeks. But just normally because they have a coating, yeah. the the shells are much oh, yeah. harder. The much the, they're much harder shells. Uh, they taste mm-hmm. very different, and uh, I love them. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll make a four egg omelet. Me you know, too. From natural I, natural I eggs. Them yeah. Hey, do uh-huh. they have a market in in Milton? Because I don't go around Milton area. For there's there's a there's a smaller natural uh, farmers market kind um, at um, it's near the Winn Dixie. For those who don't know who we're oh, talking okay. about, <laughs> it's on, on yeah, yeah. But I think the, the the for those that are in the area in the Pensacola area, the Palafox market. I think it's Saturday and Sunday. I only go Saturdays. I don't think they have it Sunday. I think it's just Saturdays. Just Saturdays. That is the best I market think. in the area. I that is know. the yeah. But for mm-hmm. people around the around the country and around the world, find farmers markets. Get natural produce. Make sure they're not using yes. You know, oh, and so, there's I all do. kinds of natural pesticides. Nothing wrong with that. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. and nitrogen fertilizers. Nothing wrong with that. You know, don't don't believe that that nonsense is going on in the Netherlands right now. Um, as the government's mm-hmm. trying to clamp down, <laughs> nitrogen's a poison. No, it's not. It's seventy-two percent of our atmosphere. Idiots. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. There's so much stupidity out there. Oh, it's crazy. Anyway. Hey, where's Bianchi? Um, good question. He's probably been busy. Well, the market's open, so maybe he's uh, he, maybe he's investing in trading right now. Maybe he's taking care of his bank accounts. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. You know, he's uh, well. He's, you might be talking to other talk shows too. You know, he's he spent he spent a lot of time with us. He's been really good about uh, about coming on the yeah. show and, uh, and and sharing all kinds of stuff. But you know, hey, listen, everybody goes through phases. You know, it's funny how reporters come and go, and and things change. Things are always changing. The only thing is really constant. The, the two constants, you and me, <laughs> we're it. We've been here since the beginning. Uh, you, yeah. You, go, you hey, go back to WBY. Remember yeah. when you were on the adult show? Uh huh. Uh, thirteen thirty station. Yep. What was the name of that black guy that used to call all the time? Clarence. 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 Yeah. Was every everywhere name? I go, there's always a black guy that calls my show. <laughs> yeah. He now, was Clarence nice. Used to call. He was great, but he he was really um he would just bring all kinds of topics that had nothing to do with anything. He was very he was all over the place. Uh, so oh, I actually have a yeah. recording of him. In fact, I did a recording. Uh, if I play the episode where we, we wrote our first bill on the air that mandated the, the citizenship question on the census, he's the first call. Uh-huh. And he's just like oh. all over the place. Like, Clarence, don't, you know, go away. And what I didn't realize was I was going to get eight calls after that, which were brilliant. And we actually wrote a bill on the air. But uh, I still got a recording of Clarence. Yeah. If you really want to hear it, I can... <laughs> But uh, every every then, show needs a black a black curmudgeon. And then there was so, another guy named Pete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pete. Pete used to call all the time. On yeah. and on and on and on. And then oh yeah, I always had to cut him off. On radio show. I cannot think of his name. I never knew his last name. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't ever bother. But I knew Pete. Uh, there are a few folks. There. For those that don't know what we're talking about, uh, I, I started off my radio career, my full-time career, because I did some part-time radio in different places. But my full-time career started at WEBY, uh, 1330 AM, mm-hmm. Northwest Florida's News and Talk Leader. And this is a well-established station. The owner was Mike Bates. Mike gave me my job. Four months after open heart surgery, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I drove out from California, you know, you know, wildly overweight. <laughs> you know, that's, most of that's gone, but I have about 30, 40 more pounds to go. But I uh, came out wildly Good. overweight. Drove to a place I'd never been. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, to a boss I'd never met. <laughs> to a place I'd never seen. To people I didn't know. To a job I'd never done. <laughs> Four months after open heart surgery. 
and just start broadcasting. And I and I woke up one morning and I said, "Who in the heck is this guy?" <laughs> and I'm you've been here ever since. And that was March first of like, twenty seventeen. My yeah. radio station. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyway. Yeah. So. Well, the previous host was very but different were, than me. Really different. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, uh, Greg, I'm mm-hmm. gonna start getting ready. So I okay. can call in when Brando comes on because I want to make a comment or something that happened to him not long ago. Sure. So well, here's here's what I usually do when we get to major public figures like Brandon Straka. Generally, only have half an hour. I'm probably going to take you know, know. the vast majority of that myself. If he has an hour, uh, I can certainly get you in. That's not going to be an issue. But uh, I, I want to know how much he wants to talk about. Uh, now I tried to find. Uh, walk away social. I couldn't find it. I joined it, but now I can't find it online. So I'm wondering if there's a problem. So I'm going to ask him about that. And the other you thing. You didn't find walk away? What, oh. No, I found walk away. I got the foundation and I've got the, I've got his walk away website, but walk away social is his new social uh, media group. I mean, um, oh. yeah. So I already joined it and now I can't find it. <laughs> so I'm wondering if something happened to it. Uh, it says walk away social oh, coming, so maybe they, they maybe they're doing some work on it, something like that. But I want to tell them what we do. I want to see if he'll if yeah. we can join forces, and I want to find out what uh, you know. So the agreement with getting these folks in is what they tell their story, and then I sneak in a little bit of our story. Let me see how much time we have. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of my format. But yeah, if you want to listen in, I'll play uh, I'll play our announcements, and uh, then we'll, then I'll be all set for yeah. uh, for Brandon when he calls in. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Okay, I'm done we'll with soon. my report, Chico. <laughs> All right. So you need you need to get your nice official line. You say this is Josie Kosky for for Action Radio Latina Report. You know, say something official. Let's let's do like a real radio station. Sure. This is Josie Kosky with the best of Action Radio in Milton. Yeah, and we can speak Spanish, a few words in Russian, <laughs> and you can find me at, at Ruth Uniform Shop located on Olive Road, Pensacola, Florida. God bless you, go. you all. Ciao. That's perfect. You just need to say that every week. That's great. I love it. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Up. Bye-bye. Okay. okay. Talk to you. <laughs> You're such a natural. Here we go. She needs her own show. Americano Radio. We're going to get Josie her own show. Here we go. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 
at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. And let's see who we can get to uh, sponsor us here at Action Radio. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Okay, I'm back. The decks are cleared. We have uh, nobody on the phone lines yet. I'm just waiting for uh, Brandon Stracker to call in, and then we get going, and this is going to be fun. So as usual, when we have a major public figure, I'm just a little bit nervous because I'm still, you know, just, well, I've been doing this for, you know, five, six years now, but uh, I hope that I always get a little bit nervous when I have, uh, you know, major public figures on the show because that's what makes it exciting. Keeps you on your toes. And so we'll see what happens. Anyway, Cyanide 77 is still there in, in the Netherlands, and that's spelled S-C-I-E-N-I-D-E. I'm going to get a translation for what that means. He says, yeah, radio de acción. In other words, uh, action radio in Spanish. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get Josie on. 
that would be uh, that'd be amazing to get to her. I've I've been I've offered, you know, to even have her do a, a Spanish language show, you know, Saturdays. So, you know, we do be uh, an action radio connection. But uh, if she gets on America Radio, that would be fabulous. That'd be a I think a wonderful thing for for her to be able to do and carry the bills and carry her message and, and go from there. And of course, we'll tie them into action radio. Then we get more, you know, a gazillion Hispanic listeners, and then we can uh, do what we do best here. So walk away. Let's let's talk a, little, a bit about that. I can give you an introduction before Brandon gets here. And so the the whole walk away movement. Basically, he's a guy who was a liberal, and he believed in all the things that liberals believe in. You know, America, apple pie, freedom, democracy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that makes sense. I don't problem with liberals. I never have. I was liberal originally. I mean, I was raised in a in an ultra socialist you know, Marxist family. So uh, being a liberal was actually rebelling, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, and it made sense. I mean, government solutions, you know, you're young, you think that the government's going to come along and, uh, you know, make, uh, you know, make things better and corp- bring the corporations in line and do all the things that liberals think. Uh, and then, of course, you find out it's not exactly how that works in practice. And I learned about that for me in Washington, D.C. when I was an intern. And as, a, as an intern, I was a college, I was a junior in college. It was the spring of my junior year. Jimmy Carter was president, just to let you know how long ago this was. And I remember something called Big Business Day. And Big Business Day was, uh, was a Ralph Nader-sponsored um, PERG, you know, or what was it called? Uh, or I forget what it was. It was, it was like, it would stand for people, something. Anyway, it was a public interest, public, oh, public interest research group. So Ralph Nader had all these PERG groups around the country. We had one at UMass. We had one all over the place. And they sponsored this thing called Big Business Day, which had all the, the corrupt actions of big business. And there are. I mean, big business has done some stupid things. Um, you know, but on the other hand, uh, we still want a free market. And if you had a free market, the, it's, it, government rewards stupid business. And that's why you have the problems with the bank bailouts. Um, that's where a lot of our industries left because they weren't updating their technology. They were spending their money buying other companies, you know, the arbitrage. Remember Pretty Woman? Remember what uh, Richard Gere's profession was buying companies and breaking them up? Yeah. So a lot of that was going on in the 80s rather than having companies reinvest. And I remember the steel industry in particular. So whereas steel around the world was advancing and uh, Japanese steel, Chinese steel, European steel, because they had oxygenated furnaces. In other words, they had better furnaces. We had old style coal fired stupid furnaces. And so our steel industry died because the technology was old. Because the steel companies, instead of you know, investing in the new furnaces to make better steel, were buying other companies and doing arbitrage nonsense. And so they went broke because their products suffered. They, they, lost, they lost track of what they're supposed to do. And what they're supposed to do was uh, produce the best product possible. And if you do that, we'll buy it. The other problem, of course, and this is something that Trump addressed, uh, was the fact that a lot of countries like China were, were dumping there were, it's called dumping a product. In other words, you, you sell it at a price below its market value. It's called predatory pricing. So people buy it because it's below market value. And so the predatory pricing that went on in China allowed them to get into the steel market. Okay, I'm just going to stop this conversation because uh, Brandon Strzok is on the line. So I'm going to introduce him right away with our guest of the day promo for Brandon Straka. So I've wanted to talk to him ever since I heard he was on, uh, I guess, the talk show circuit, as they call it, and able to, uh, to join us on the show here. And I want to find out about Walkaway, Walkaway Social, and I want to tell him about what we do with the Action Radio Citizen Legislature. So let me just quickly go over the accomplishments, and this is from his website on the Walkaway campaign. 
Walk Away Campaign erupted onto the scene with a viral video series in 2018. Since then, we haven't stopped. What started out as a social media campaign that encouraged people to walk away from the radical left transformed into a movement that is doing what no other group has ever done, bringing a platform to people who have been silenced by the left for years. And with that, I'll welcome our guest, Brandon Strack, onto the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm having a great time. Let's give you a round of applause to get things going. So I'll tell you about our show in a little bit, but I want to hear about uh, what you've been up to. Um, so if you want to start telling us, you know, just I guess briefly introduce us to your audience, introduce you to the audience with uh, you know how you became, you know how you went from liberal to 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 walking away, or if you want to talk about the latest stuff that's happening, or January sixth stuff, or walk away social, which I tried to find. Um, I joined it I think last week, and I can't seem to find it online now. But there's an issue with that. So anywhere you want to start is fine with me, and then we have we have tons of things to talk about. Okay. Well, you just gave me like five different things, but yeah, uh, I, I'm ADHD. Kind of... I'm sorry. I get carried away when I get uh, when I when I get cool guests on like you. So you know. Anyway. <laughs> well, no worries. But I think the first, like I, I'm not going to be able to focus until you tell me why. What happened? Why were you not able to find it? Well, I don't I know. Social. I was looking looking online. I joined last week, and I, w- I wanted to talk to you about uh, the different groups you have. Well, let's talk about Walk Away Social, first of all, because the premise is really interesting. You want folks with, with video testimonials. You don't have people post on their own page. There's some interesting rules. So let's start there, and then, uh, and then we can talk about you know, where it is, and I'll see if I can find it now. But that was fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's there, walkawaysocial.com. It's right, I'm okay. looking at it right now. And, right. uh, and it's, we're, we're available in the Apple App Store. And um, we're, so we are having a little bit of a, uh, an issue with Google. It's weird. Um, the, the Android app, they've released it for Android phones, but they haven't yet released it for Android tablets. So I, I don't know if you were trying to find it on the Android tablet. But anyway, yeah, uh, Walkaway Social is a social media platform that I just launched this week. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It actually functions very similarly to Facebook. The reason why we did it, um, we're not trying to be the next Facebook. We're not trying to replace Twitter or Getter or Truth Social, nothing like that. Um, to your point, we kind of established some rules with the platform. So what we want people to do is to go on Walkaway Social, create their profile to sign up. And then once you create your profile, we want you to join groups and interact in the groups. So I started Walkaway in May of 2018 as a video testimonial campaign for people on both sides of the aisle, for people on the left to tell their stories about why they're walking away from the Democratic Party, walking away from the left, and then people on the right um, who we kind of refer to as the walk with in the movement are the people who are there to kind of lend support and be there to walk with people as they walk away from the left. Because as I've said before, when people walk away from the left, um, you know, they're not just leaving a political party. It's people are walking away from friends, family, job opportunities. It's, it, it's a difficult process. Uh, the left does not let people go easily. And, um, and the other thing is that I wanted people on the right, the ones that we call the walk with, to also make testimonials, video and written testimonials, number one, to talk about why people should not support the Democratic Party, but number two, to talk – about to kind of reclaim the narrative from the left of what it means to be a conservative, uh, that it's not about you know racism and bigotry and all of these things that the left-wing media sort of hijacked the narrative of, but just to talk about values and 
talk about how open and welcoming the conservative movement is. So primarily, Walk Away is a community. It's a testimonial campaign. But when people join this platform, sorry, I probably should have made clear, we grew to 510,000 members, and uh, we had tens of thousands of videos and written testimonials, and Facebook banned Walk Away in January of 2021. So we woke up and just everything was gone. And so we've spent the last couple of years building this platform so that we could relaunch, rebuild, reignite the whole thing, and uh, no one will ever be able to take it away from us again. So that's what Walkway Social is for. Well, I found it. Um, as you, you know, I was listening, and I just quickly got it, and I signed in, so it's there. But it's interesting that it wasn't on my search engine, which is a DuckDuckGo uh, search. So as soon as you gave me the website, and we should repeat this a bunch of times, walkawaysocial.com, there it was. I've signed in. I've got it. I've got your video right up front. And so everything's fine. But uh, just to let you know, it was a little hard to find on the search engines, and that does not surprise me. Uh, shadow ban, restrictions, censorship, I am well acquainted. I've been blocked I see like what you, you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I see what you mean. You were talking about like like searching for it, like searching mm-hmm. the web for the. Uh, I see, I see, I see. I, I thought you meant you were typing in walkawaysocial.com and it wasn't coming up. That was, no. would be very concerning. Okay, well that's why I, that's why I tried it. <laughs> it was like, oh, works fine. <laughs> so I want to make sure that we're accurate here in information. This is fascinating. Um, as someone, you know, that, why did you make the decision, for example, to walk away from the Democratic Party rather than try to change the Democrat Party? What was that process? Um, Well, I think because um, at the moment that I kind of realized what was going on, which I'll explain to you in a moment, Uh uh, I think I I realized that I don't don't think it's salvageable. I mean, let me explain. So basically, I I was a lifelong liberal. Uh, I was always a a Democrat Party supporter as an adult, Uh, voted for Obama twice. I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. And um, that's what got the ball rolling. Uh, when Donald Trump got elected in 2016, I, I, I was shattered. I, I mean, I was so <laughs> upset and, and, and outraged. And um, uh-huh. I'm curious. Why. I went through a period. Well, because I had believed the media that had been telling me for like 18 straight months that right. he was the second coming of Hitler and that this, you know, this was. Uh, the embodiment of evil, and he was a white supremacist, and that he was ushering in the rise of racism and bigotry and white white supremacy in this country, and, mm-hmm. and you know, just the media portrayed him as all things evil, essentially. And I bought into all of it. I believed it. I, I never questioned the, the media that I trusted, like CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, etc. And uh, so I went through several weeks after his election of just, I mean, just being despondent. And then I sort of thought to myself, you know, I, I, I need to find a way to move past this, or this is going to be the worst four years of my life. And mm-hmm. so initially my journey kind of started with me just saying, you know, how can I, um, how can I move past this? And so I thought, well, I think for me, the key is going to be to just try to understand how it happened. I didn't go into this with any intention of wanting to like Donald Trump or wanting to like his supporters or I I just wanted to understand how did the media get it so wrong and uh, and why would anybody vote for him and so first I started kind of talking to some of his supporters asking them questions and I was very surprised to find that nobody had 
was saying that they voted for him because it was a backlash to a black president. Um, and then I started researching the the media and how the media had covered him, you know, and because they said he had like a 3% chance of winning by the time he got elected. And um, so I started researching the media narratives about his campaign, about him, about things that he had said. And what I found time and time again was that they had either completely taken moments out of context or isolated sound bites and spun their own narrative behind them. But the final straw for me was in January of 2021, right at the time he was about, or excuse me, January, 2017. I keep doing that recently. 2017, <laughs> That's okay. right around the time <laughs> the government broke my brain with uh, January 6th. So I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I feel like I've been living in a vacuum for a while. Uh, anyway, uh, January 2017, I went on social media and I posted that I would never be able to understand how anyone could vote for a man who was capable of mocking a reporter's disability. And, um, and then that's when somebody reached out to me privately and sent me a video entitled Debunking the Trump Mocked the Disabled Reporter. Mm-hmm. And it was a compilation of footage showing Donald Trump doing that same voice and that same gesture as he did when he was accused of mocking a reporter's disability. But in every situation, the commonality was that he was imitating somebody who was flailing because they were caught in a lie. And it showed me really clearly for the first time, yeah, how capable the media was of completely lying and deceiving and creating a false narrative. And so anyway, I, I went on, uh, I just went on a journey of research that went on for months. And by the time I came out the other side, what I realized was that the, it, Donald Trump was not my enemy. The, the media that I had been trusting my whole life was my enemy. And that mm-hmm. the Democrats are supporting these lies. Uh, the ideology of liberalism is, is based, the whole foundation is based on these lies. And, um, and this isn't going to stop. So I didn't think that uh, reformation I, was possible, I suppose. I, I thought that the better, the better alternative is to, to walk away from this entirely like an abusive relationship and try to take as many people with me as I can. I think that makes perfect sense. No, I, I'm really glad you explained it. And uh, I don't know how much time you have. Uh, you've got at least an hour, and we even have overtime if you want. If you're restricted, let me know because I'll have to sort of you know, cut my questions a bit short. But I like long explanations. I'd rather have you take the time to explain things properly. Can you stay past the bottom okay. of the hour, or, or do you have a restriction? Yeah, you bet. Sure. Okay, good. No, no, perfect. Sounds good. I wrote an article. Uh, I have a couple of the ones I think you'd find interesting back during the 2016 period. One was called Media Vote Fraud. And it was all the ways that the media was distorting what Donald Trump had said. And one of the the, the classic ones is the Mexican issue, where he said that uh, illegal aliens crossing our border, some of which are murderers and rapists, and media translated that to say, Trump says all Mexicans are murderers and rapists. So that's part of it. There were other ones. Charlottesville is a big one. He says, uh, I forgot what he said exactly, that some people who believe that the statue of Robert E. Lee should be there and some people who don't believe it's there, they're both good people. They have a right to disagree. Media says, Trump says Nazis are good people. You know, and it's just these amazing things that happen over and over and over again. The other article I wrote was basically to a friend of mine uh, who said, you know, you should be apologizing for Trump. I said, I have nothing to apologize for. You know, look what's happened. This is early in the Trump administration. The economy was better. Energy was better. A wall was going up. You know, he was uh, going after North Korea. He was actually talking to them. You know, Europe was paying their fair share of defense. All these wonderful things were happening. And yet all that stuff got, got completely destroyed and removed. And, and nobody was, you know, except for conservative media, nobody was talking about it. And, and so this is part of this whole media fraud that goes on. So my question 
is did you find that the the Democrats and the media, which we sort of now, but uh, earlier on, did you see how they're working together? Did you see how it really is the the quote the deep state, and did that help contribute to this being? you know, uh, un- unstoppable, that the only possible option, like you say, it's a bad relationship. You're not going to fix it. The other, per- the other partner has some problems that, that you're not going to be able to help. Uh, it's time to walk away. Um, but did you, did you see early on the connections between government and media and the Democrat Party especially in how they supported each other to maintain status quo? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Okay. I mean, it's, it, it's very clear. Uh, I mean, there, I, so, I mean, there, even in my own life now, Mm-hmm. there's it's abundantly clear because you know after i started walk away shortly thereafter i i started becoming the news and i started to see i mean it's like you would wake, mm. I would wake up one day yeah and i would wake up one day and all of a sudden you know i i have like a hundred alerts on my phone and it's you know, walk away is Russian propaganda. Walk away is a Kremlin-based <laughs> operation, whatever. And it's like, how, how is this like being – 25 publications are saying this on the same day. They're using exactly the same language, exactly oh. the same talking points. How about you know, that? And, right, <laughs> almost like exactly. it's coordinated. <laughs> almost like it's coordinated, almost like they're working in tandem, almost like yep. they're sharing one brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, after I walked away – the first incident that I experienced in real time of mm-hmm. what I had discovered was Charlottesville. Uh, Charlottesville, I believe, happened sometime in mid-early 2017, somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. um, I had already gotten a pretty clear picture of what the media was doing and what they were up to. Were you there? And were you there at the no, time? No, 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 no. Okay. No, I, I wasn't there, but I didn't need to be. I didn't need right. to be because it was it was really obvious, like, by the way that they were reporting mm-hmm. – um, it was just so clear to me that there was more to the story and that they, you know, there's a, there's a certain desperation in the way that they report things. It's, I mean, they don't nudge people in a direction. They shove them, you know, and it's once you, I always say, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So once you know where they're trying to shove you, it's Mm -hmm. so clear what their, um, their agenda is. And, but if you're not seeing it, and you're still in that state of trusting them and believing that, you know, these are uh, benevolent, uh, a trustworthy, benevolent figure in our, in our society that you can trust. Mm-hmm. Um, then, it, then it's like you miss so many things. You don't get it. But if, once you see it, then you know it, it, it's so clear where the, the direction they're trying to shove you and what they're trying to make you believe. You know, is the greatest enemy we have is corruption. Uh, the deep state. Uh, I call it the government choosing the government. So we're very open here and very blunt about the fact that uh, I call him Brandon. I never say President Biden. I never say Biden administration. It's not true. There's an illegal occupant of the White House, and there's a cooperative effort of both Republicans and Democrats uh, to maintain the status of government. In fact, I just wrote an article called The Nation of Government. It's on Substack, talking about Washington, D.C. as its own country. And uh, it's, it's just, you look at it, and we're like the colonies. 
And so there's a vested interest. It's basically fascism, where it, fascism is where you have the government and, and corporations forming a single entity. And we've got, and that would include big pharma, big tech, and what's going on right now. But you've got a media corporate fascism. In fact, it just came out. Um, we covered this Monday. Getting a little bit of background noise. So whatever you do in the background, we're picking up on the mic. <laughs> so if you're oh, if you're making I'm breakfast sorry. there, okay. you know, we, that's how you can do it. I just don't. I, I don't care. I just want to let you know that just in case, you know, that um, <laughs> the stuff does get picked up here. So go ahead. You know. <laughs> you can tell us what you're making. That might be kind of funny. Um, but this, no, this no, no. I was just kind of going through my morning routine. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> if you meditate and you stay home, then we're cool. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy having you on the show. This is fun. Uh, but, uh, but the whole idea of the, um, of the, the censorship industrial complex you know, that's being brought out now. It's like we knew it, but we didn't know it. Now it's been confirmed that this really, this whole deep state of the government, the idea of the government choosing the government. So in other words, when Trump was elected twice, and he'll be up for his second second term, as we call it, um, that, uh, that when the government chooses the government, they want poverty. They want no energy. They want total control. They want to bail out their, their banking friends. They want to keep paying billions of dollars around the world. They want to use Ukraine as a, uh, as a money laundering piggy bank you know, with bioweapons labs and everything else. So when the government chooses the government, this country was destroyed. But when the people chose the government, we got Donald Trump. And think in pretty good shape. But the only way to maintain the government doing that is through the lies. And so this whole idea of, of the media controlling everybody is so insidious and so dangerous. And this is why they have to suppress everybody else. They can't stand truth. Truth is what, what ruins them. Truth is what destroys them. Truth and, and the courage to say it. You know, and this is why they go after you. And this is why they go after me. And I'll tell you about my story in just a second. But um, how do you feel as you know, and I, you probably like most of us, we're just doing what we think is the right thing to do. And we're not heroes. We're not, you know, courageous. We're just doing what, what has to be done to maintain our freedom. But uh, th- we have to break this media cycle and you can do it because you have a whole bunch of people out there and a whole bunch of followers and you can create the, the real narrative, the proper narrative, the true narrative of what happens just by being yourself and just by doing what you're doing and saying what you're saying. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. I, I'm, you know, when I listen to you say that, and I guess I feel it, it, it inspires me to a certain degree that, mm-hmm. you know, there's hope in the situation that, Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> I haven't gotten to the good news yet, but we're getting there. But yeah, there is. Oh, hope. well, great. Tell me. Hope. Tell me the good news. Okay. All right. Well, let me just leap right into what we do here. I'll, I'll save my January 6th and COVID chat for a little bit. You are on what I consider the, mo- the world's most unique show. Uh, I'm the creator and host of the Action Radio Citizen Legislature, and the whole goal of this show is to be activists. To when you said you're part of the news, you know we don't talk about reporting the news; we talk about being the news. So I think uh, you and I have a, a, a this is, I'm glad to meet you now a tremendous amount of, of of common mission, and so we actually write citizen legislation. This legislation is by title and section. It is Congress ready for hearings. It is state legislature ready. It is local school board, city council, county commission ready. We have, a, we have about 80-some-odd bills on our website, writeyourlaws.com. So if you want to uh, you know, pop that up on your computer if you have a chance, I'll, I'll show you how to write a bill right now. <laughs> it's kind of interesting um, how we do this. But we have a bill on vaccine product liability. That's, it's basically one page, like most of our bills. It changes two words in the law. It changes where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be liable to vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable. That little change restores full product liability to in the entire big pharma industry. That's how easy it is to make change. Now all I need is your million followers to send that bill to media and Congress, and let's get some action on it. 
We have another bill that does big tech, same thing. It, it maintains liability immunity for big tech for what anybody posts, you know, anything that users do of what they call interactive computer services. However, that liability immunity is conditional. If they touch anything post, if they touch anybody's account, like when Facebook banned you, if they arrange search engines in any way other than the raw number of hits, their liability immunity is revoked and they can be sued. That single change, bringing liability, conditional liability to big tech, would reverse censorship because they get their asses sued off if they did what they did to you and me. So those are two of our bills. I love interested? that. I think uh, very, <laughs> That's what I was hoping you'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll have to check out your – so what is your mm-hmm. website? It's writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And you can get me, if you want to email me, the, your email so that we can, we can talk faster, just email me at greg at writeyourlaws.com. And that's Was what it, it is. W R W R I T E. Because we're writing, we're writing our own laws, and so no, our, I know. our mission. Yeah. Question. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, I was writeyourlaws.com. Okay. Writeyourlaws.com. Yeah, it should be there. I hope my website. Let me go check my website now that. Uh... No, no, you're good. It was my internet. It was my internet. Oh. It, it said it couldn't find it, but it's yeah, my internet sucks. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> no fun. It's there. Anyway, so once it. you get there, um, let me walk you through it real quick. So you look at the homepage. Basically has an introduction of what we do. Um, how to write a bill, it gives you like a basic template. The way that our legislation works is we have an introduction. Why do you need your bill? We have um, the old bill or the old language that's in law currently, and we have our changes. That's the three parts of citizen legislation. So anytime anybody wants to write a bill, they go to uh, writeyourlaws.com, and then they go to our section. If you look at the, the you've got the homepage that you're looking at now with all the nice graphics and things like that. Click where it says legislation and click on Propose a New Law, and I'll show you how to write a bill. By the way, do you have a bill in mind that you might want to write? Oh, God, probably several. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Uh, uh, all right, so where do I go? All right, so, so click. So you've got uh, writeyourlaws.com. Uh, if you look at legislation, it's the second item on the menu bar, and you go down to where it says Propose a New Law. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so the basic instructions, uh, if you look at the first place to fill in, it just has your name. Then it has, the next one is your email, which is private and confidential, but that's how I email people to get them on the show because we actually do workshops of writing legislation on the air. Uh, then the title of your bill, which would be a real title, not like the Affordable Care Act or, or the, the Inflation Reduction Act or any of the misnomers of Washington. We want a real bill, a uh, real title. Then we have a dumb question. And then you select, if you look, it says, please select the category. You click on citizen bill ideas, and then you actually post your bill in post content, and then you submit it. And if it increases freedom for everybody, if it helps everybody, because we, just like you, I don't care about your, your political affiliation or, or your race or gender or, or sexual orientation. I don't care about any of that stuff. None of that matters. What really matters to me is freedom. And so as long as you create a bill that creates more freedom for everybody, we're good, even if I disagree with it. You know, a lot of times I'll still post things. That's all it takes to write a bill. And once that bill's out there, people can copy the link. They can send it to Congress. They can send it to media. They can send it to pollsters. <clears throat> Excuse me. They can call talk shows. And this is it. This is the whole system. We write the bills. We propose the bills. We lobby the bills when they get into uh, a legislature. 
you know, and we help lobby them through. And then final passage, we, we hope that they're enforced properly. But if Congress tries to change it or the state legislatures, we've got the original because a regular citizen, you, me, any number of other people, we, I just get bills from all the country. People will just send in, you know, ideas. And there's a genius out there. Brandon, I'm telling you, there's genius out there. People are unbelievable with the ideas they have. And I see it, you know, on a fairly regular basis. But if we get you folks involved with Walkaway, and you can help me create a group, either a citizen legislator group, or maybe it's a group for each bill. I don't know how best to do that. I'm going to let you advise me on, on how we should do this. But uh, the potential of joining these two groups together is unbelievable. You want to change the world? So do I. This is how we do it. I love that. I think, uh, yeah, so one of the things we're doing with Walkaway Social is uh, mm-hmm. we're, as it grows and grows, and remember, we're only a week old at this point, um, but we're doing pretty good. We have thousands of people signed up and uh, mm-hmm. dozens of people have already started uh, submitting their videos and things like that. But um, uh, as the site grows and grows, we're going to kind of experiment with developing something that at the moment we're calling communities. Um, so basically different you know, people of uh, like-mindedness uh, can band mm-hmm. together and kind of form their own community which is, you know, like a group, but they'll go inside and be able to post and share ideas and, and communicate, uh, but mm-hmm. basically just on a certain theme or a topic or some sort of commonality that they all have. And so I think um, a community that's sort of based around the idea of uh, coming up with new ideas for laws, and uh, it could be a really fun and exciting thing. That's something to consider for sure. Hmm. Interesting. Should we do uh, a separate community for, say, uh, vaccine legislation or, sh- and, uh, or one for big tech? Or would, that all co- would you rather have it under a, a general thing? Because I, I think it's going to get big because we have a lot of different bills. I mean, I've got, um, I've got a bill where it's a constitutional amendment that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. This would eliminate inflation. It would eliminate the need for a Fed. It would cause deflation. Our money would gain more money. Our prices would drop. We would have unparalleled prosperity in this country. And Congress would hate it because they wouldn't be able to borrow money and uh, mortgage our future for the next election. That that bill alone might require its own group. Um, this is what I'm wondering about. I know I'm hitting you with this all at once. You get a chance to think of it. You know, we can talk later. Um, but just, just initial ideas of something like a constitutional amendment it's very simple. I just remove one, one sentence of law where it says, you know, Congress shall have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. We just delete that sentence and say no and replace it with Congress shall not have the borrow money, have the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States, nor print money uh, in excessive revenues. Well, there's no more inflation after that. You know, there's no need for the Fed. You know, the whole world changes. Congress would have to live amongst their means. You know, and people have said to me, but Greg, but Greg, what about a, what about a war? You know, what, what if we need money to borrow for a war? I said, wait a minute. I said, you mean if China's launching nuclear missiles at us, Congress is going to meet so they can borrow money? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so, so that might be its own group. Um, I, I like that. But, you know, we also have um, pages, mm-hmm. like business pages as well. So, like, okay. So um, perhaps um, – the discussion could be whether or not your your organization has its own page uh, where it can sort of propose. I, I have to put some thought into it. I have to think about. Yeah, well, the take best your way time. To do it. You know, you there's always. Well, well, tell me more about this because I've got you've got members, you've got the follow, you've got the groups, pages, videos. This is because you don't have you don't have like personal pages on this. How uh, how best is it going to work? Do you think? 
It is going to be the communities and the groups, right? That's how it's going to go. Is it going to be like a guide to the groups or how is it going to be structured? Right. So, so the way that it works is that people go on just like, let's use the example of Facebook, which, because that's something that most people identify with. They, they understand, they can envision that. So just like Facebook, you'll create a profile just like you Mm -hmm. have on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And after you create your profile, so the thing that's going to be different is that on your profile on Facebook, you can go and you can create a status update or you can post pictures or videos or whatever, and you can post that on your profile. And when you post that on your profile, the people who are friends with you will also see it in their main feed. And so we're cutting all of that out. Um, okay. So what we're doing instead is that your profile, the way I sort of explain it to people is uh, with Walkway Social, your profile is kind of like your passport. And your passport is what gives you entry into the different groups. Once mm-hmm. you're in the groups, that's where we want you to do your posting. The purpose of this is, well, it's multifold, but one, it keeps the content streamlined. Like I do, we, we actually don't want people to join this platform. And if we had that open, if, we, if people could go to their profiles and post status updates and pictures and videos, within a week's time, we would have a, a social media platform that's filled with people posting pictures of their Christmas tree and their Thanksgiving <laughs> table. And I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the okay. skirt that they put on their dog. And, they're, you know, all, and it's just simply not what we want. What we want instead is for people to have a profile which gives them access to the different groups. And then once you're inside the groups, you choose kind of the theme of the content. So we have a a testimonial group. That's where people will go to watch the walkaway videos and the walk with videos and the written stories and hopefully upload their own videos and their own because we want to just grow this and grow this and get as many people using their voices and telling their stories as possible. But then we also have state groups for all 50 states. So you can take, use your profile and you can, join, uh, you, can join, you can join all 50 states if you want. But we certainly want people to at least join their own state group. And um, when you're in your state groups, that's a great place where you can meet uh, you know, like-minded people in your own area. Uh, you can plan social outings, meet and greets. You can plan activism uh, uh, initiatives like door knocking or voter registration. Uh, mm-hmm. You can talk about local candidates and local issues and policies that are coming up. Uh, you know, if you, you're enraged with, with what's going on on your local school board, uh, you can plan to get a group together and go down there and, you know, make some noise, things like that. State groups are great for that. And then we also have a discussion group. Uh, the discussion group gives you a little more freedom and flexibility. That, to me, the discussion group is almost what is the substitution for the people not having the ability to post on their profile. So the discussion group is where you can go and you can sound off on your opinions, uh, any questions that you have, any items in the news that you want to do, news articles, uh, links to anything, anything that you want to talk about or topics you want to bring up to other people. So it's not as though we're kind of depriving people of the ability to opine or ask questions. We're just trying to do it in a very centralized place rather than having thousands of people posting thousands of things on their own profile. We're, we're getting people all together in one space. Um, and the, the other side of that too, is that, you know, we fully anticipate that as the site grows, we're going to be in time inundated by trolls and Antifa and people from the left and people are going to want to get this 
shut down. You know, people are going to want to get walk away social in trouble. And so what we can't have is, you know, hundreds of Antifa coming on walk away social and posting uh, child porn or uh, let's go murder the president, you know, or things like that on the site that the next thing I know, the FBI is kicking my door down again. You know, we need, I have a, a small team of volunteer moderators and mm-hmm. they're the ones moderating all of the content that's going on inside these groups. So it's, we have to have the ability to protect the site and protect the content. And so this allows us to do that again in a very streamlined way. Yeah, this is really interesting. You know, this is why our, our big tech bill, I think, is so critical, because okay. what it says is the big tech's not responsible. They're not liable for anything anybody posts. If someone posts like the things you talk about, if you threaten a public official, if you if you threaten violence, if you do certain things, if you post pornography or, or God forbid, child pornography, there are laws that deal with that. And so what we need to do with Section 230 is take away the power of big tech to pull things off, off uh, um, the things that they want to do, because they also have this provision where it says anything otherwise objectionable, which means you, me, you know, anything that goes against the, the narrative, anything that goes against the, the, the COVID, you know, blood clot shot or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but the thing is that these laws are already existing. We have obscenity laws. We have libel. We have slander. Law enforcement is perfectly capable right now of taking anything off uh, that gets on. So you shouldn't be liable for that. You shouldn't be responsible. The FBI should not be knocking down your door for something that somebody else posts. They should be knocking down their door. In other words, people are responsible for their own, their own thing. You should have the same immunity um, that I'm proposing with, with big tech because that you'd be actually part of, you know, anybody that's social media. I guess they call it interactive computer services. You'd be a provider of an interactive computer service, in this case, a social media called Walkaway Social. And so you should be immune from anything that anybody posts. And I think under, under Section 230, you, you actually are. Uh, still currently, but then you have, but you also have the ability to remove it yourself. What I'm seeing in our bill is that, uh, is that that should be done by law enforcement. That is their responsibility. You can report it certainly, but you shouldn't be, they shouldn't be kicking down, they're kicking down the wrong doors. But I think that's part of the plan though, is to get, like you say, Antifa to post really horrible things in Black Lives Matter and other groups, uh, leftist groups to post horrible things on your site as a pretense so they can knock your door down again. The fact you said again is kind of horrifying, um, but uh, but that's where we are right now. Um, so I think sure. that, that yeah, well we want to talk about that too. But this this bill um, that you said that, but there's a protection I think that we're trying to offer with Action Radio with a big tech bill that provides immunity unless you mess with people's accounts, which I don't think you're going to do. Um, you know, as long as they're not uh, reportable to law enforcement. But this, is, but this is law enforcement's job. This is what people forget, that we have laws against obscenity and threatening public <coughs> officials, you know, and, and, and child porn. It's already there. It's already on the books. So why would you be held responsible for something that law enforcement should be dealing with? That's my question. No, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. my, I, what I was presenting to you, I think, was a worst-case scenario, but Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think it's right. I think you're right on. I think it'll happen. Yeah, we're just trying to curate an experience on the website, uh, Walkway Social. So that's mm-hmm. the reason why we've designed it the way that we have. Why are they so against you? What, what, is, what is the left so afraid of that, uh, that they feel the need to do things, to have, you know, militant arms of the Democrats and the Marxists like Antifa and Black Lives Matter and other groups, the KKK, going back further in Democrat history. What is it about them that they feel that they they have to do this kind of stuff uh, just to maintain power? Don't they believe in their own ideas or they just don't care? Well, what do you think? Is your question, why are they coming after me or why are they the way they are? 
Well, that's, that's both. Two, two I, different I, things. I, I apologize for my multiple. It's my ADHD brain. I ask like six things at once. So let's let's, let's <laughs> talk about why you, and then why do they, why do they maintain their their power through power as opposed to the strength of their ideas? How's that? Um, well, let's start with I guess the second one first. Um, okay. The, their, I think their quest to maintain power um, stems from I think a place of. A complete and total misunderstanding of the world around them and fear of the world around them. Um, I, 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 these people are not experiencing reality in the same way that the rest that you and I and the rest of the world are. Um, okay. and, and we see that with everything from their perceptions of Donald Trump to their perceptions of the Republican Party to their perceptions of January 6th to their perception. I mean, ev- literally everything to the point where, I, I mean, they they perceive good as bad and bad as good. I mean, they can find justification for how glorious it is to have to permanently have a mask strapped to their face or have their businesses shut down or be forced by the government to not be able to leave their homes. They perceive these to be good and noble things. Uh, and, then, and then you have someone like Trump in office and they're in a constant state of outrage that while gas prices are low and where the uh, the country is in a safer position and things are going better and they're angry all the time um and i think that uh i think that they feel a need to try to control the environment around them in a way to try on a quest to try to make themselves feel safe the problem is that's not hmm. going to happen because yeah because the um the basis of their fear is not real. You know, the basis of their anxiety is not real. It's not true. So it's, it's like being on a hamster wheel of trying to constantly make yourself feel safe or reassured or, or make yourself, you know, create an environment that it can't happen because you're, you're not existing in reality. But why they come after me so hard personally is it took me a while to figure this out. Uh, myself because and I had to you know chat with a lot of people and friends of mine because certainly um, first of all there are conservative voices and personalities that are much bigger than mine Um, there are conservative voices and personalities that are much more caustic and um, aggravating I think than mine but I I mean I I receive a level of hatred and um, God, derangement. I mean, it, it's on the same level as Donald Trump. And, and I know mm-hmm. that sounds crazy, but go to my Twitter no. and, and look in the comments. That's not crazy like, at all. The, the, the amount of time that a lot of people on the left that I'm occupying their, their thoughts. And I mean, it's, there are people like hundreds hundreds of people who literally think about me all day long from the moment they wake up until the moment they go to bed. And they, I know this because they come on my Twitter and literally starting in the morning until late at night, they just post about me all day long. And wow. I, I mean, just hate posting rage posting. And um, so anyway, so I was, I was asking, you know, people, I'm like, why do they care about me so much? Like, I don't understand why, why are they more angry and focused on me than say other people who either have a bigger platform or uh, a more, um, you know, a more aggressive message that could be perceived as something more threatening. Um, and 
basically what my what I came to the conclusion of is that is exactly the reason right there is because the way I've always presented myself since the very beginning is you know as somebody who I think is very likable, approachable, um, relatable, and that's been very effective I think in getting people on the left to consider joining my movement, to consider rethinking what they've previously pledged their allegiance to and to consider walking away from the left. And so in a way, I'm actually much more threatening than some of these other personalities on the right, because some of these other personalities on the right are, you know, they may be incredibly intelligent people with incredibly intelligent ideas, but they don't present themselves in a way that's very relatable or likable. So it doesn't really inspire, I think, other people on the left to want to change their mind necessarily. It just kind of inspires people on the left to hate the right more. But I don't think that I inspire people on the left to hate the right, except for the ones who are so far gone, like I was just describing. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think that, the, that the cause of all of this hatred and animosity that, that, I, that I receive is the fact that I've, you know, I've tried to make myself as a, uh, portray myself as a likable figure. And that has kind of been the, the, the cause of the ire, I think, on their side. So you're threatening without being threatening is what it sounds like. You know, it's, you're not a threatening right. person, but because you're not a threatening person, you're like the ultimate threat. This is like the ultimate irony. I, I, call, I call what you're describing earlier as through the looking glass politics. In other words, everything is backwards. And in other words, the things that are bad, they consider good. The things that are good, they consider bad. Uh, liberals are, well, I wouldn't say liberals, but leftists. We should talk about the difference between liberals and leftists. But leftists are happy when everybody else is miserable, and liber- liberals are miserable, miserable when everybody else is happy. They've got it backwards. I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, 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 we're, we're saying similar things in different ways. But I think because you're, you're basically a decent dude, you're a nice guy. You know, you're very, you know, you, you don't, you're not threatening. You're not talking about stuff. You're not talking about bring it all down, man. Let's, let's, you know, you're not threatening violence. You're not threatening, you know, insurrection. Use that word. Um, but because of that, people go, you know, that makes sense. You know, because you come off as very logical. Very logical, very, very straightforward. And just like, you know, people can relate to this. It's very, what you're doing makes infinite sense. Wow. <laughs> so that's why you're, that's why I think you're a threat. So, so what's going to happen when, when, uh, when you start writing citizen legislation? You think you're now? What do you start proposing bills that Congress won't propose? This is when it gets really interesting. So this is where I come at it. So, so I'm wondering, you know, I've been uh, ridiculously suppressed uh, since we reported uh, March 2nd of 2020 that there is no pandemic. It's cured. We've got cures. We have chloroquine from the Marseille study with DDR Root, the doctor over there, that, uh, that you can't create a vaccine in, in a year. You know, it takes 15 years to make sure it's safe. I said, and I wrote a bill that Congress has to spend half their money on early treatments uh, and only half on vaccines. So you know what happened to me? <laughs> I'm, I, I got so suppressed you've never even heard of, of Action Radio. That's how bad it was. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but, but because, because I want to change the system, you know. And so that's the real threat is if you want to change things. If you, so, so, I'm, so I'm coming along telling people that anybody can write a bill. There's genius out there. If you want to write a bill and it's a decent bill, who knows? You might be the person that gets it on the president's desk, the real one, you know, or, or your governor's desk. You know? And so this is, this is a huge threat to the system, I think. 
but it has to be done because I can't, we can't have the government choosing the government. We can't take a person who was duly elected and have them thrown out because the government wants business as usual because they want their secret sweetheart deals and they want their business arrangements and their subsidies and their corporate welfare and everything else that they get and their fascist control. We can't have that. We cannot be a free country if the government can choose the government. If the government can control the media, and if the media is the government, and they become one, you know, one entity, and this is what we have to fight. It's really quite fascinating. Um, but change, the, 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 I think it comes down to change. And I used to talk about Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh was amazingly popular. It's just like you were saying, this is what, what caused me to think of it. Rush Limbaugh was incredibly popular. What, 15 million listeners or, you know, six, seven, eight hundred stations? But he never changed anything. I mean, he got people all riled up. He got people excited about stuff. He was very accurate in his description of, of presidents, Congress leaders, and things like that, but he never actually changed anything. So he was never really a threat. You're a threat. You're taking, you're taking the left and saying to the left, there's no reason to be here. Uh, what they're doing isn't true. They're lying to you. The media's lying. The Democrat Party's lying. The leftists are lying. They're really Marxists. They want to, they, they want to have a Marxist dictatorship. We, we can't have that in a free country. That's what you're saying. Rush Limbaugh never said that. You know, and so that's, I think, the difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's, I, that's essentially, I think, what I'm saying is just that there's, mm-hmm. you know, in, in me, they've seen this, uh, this person who's actually effectively relating to people on the left and getting people to reconsider what they believed. And, mm-hmm. th- again, that is much more threatening than, mm-hmm. you know, a, a loud right-wing voice who – maybe isn't so effective at, at convincing other people on the other side. Yeah, the loud voice that doesn't say anything really isn't accomplishing anything. Um, January 6th, we have reporters on the ground. We had people right there that day, uh, Josie and, and Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan's a, a criminal defense attorney in Virginia, and Josie uh, is our Latino reporter. She, she's from Nicaragua. She was just on the hour before you. Um, we call it the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. Uh, I never use the term insurrection. And I think the real insurrection is what happened below the Capitol. We had Christina Bob on about a month ago. And I asked her, what went on under the Capitol when the arms were twisted, when the Trump electors were, were disallowed, when Mike Pence committed treason, basically, and said that we're just going to we're just going to sit the Brandon electors, and, then, and they installed him in the White House. What's your experience? What do you, what do you want to tell us about January 6th? That's how I view it. But uh, how do you view it and what happened to you? And uh, anything you want to talk about as, as, far as, as far as that goes and how that changed you for what you're doing now? Um, well, <laughs> well, to make a question again? Ask what, Sorry. The, no, I, no. When you, uh, I, I think it would help if you asked me specific questions because I mean, there's nothing about January 6th that I enjoy talking about. I hate talking about all of it, but I'm, I will. No, you don't have to. No, we don't, don't have, have to. to skip it. But if, but if you frame it as what do you want to talk about, nothing. But, but I'm happy to answer your questions if you have questions. Okay, what do you think was the uh, real insurrection? Let me, let's, let's go with that angle, because you probably haven't been asked that. Um, well, I think that, look, I, the election happened in, in 2020, and mm-hmm. tens of millions of people uh, felt like uh, something was wrong, felt like their vote was being stolen, felt like, uh, you know, that something corrupt was happening within the government. And as the months went by, Ultimately, all the people really wanted was to have the votes um, forensically audited and thoroughly audited to make sure uh, mm-hmm. that there wasn't uh, fraud or corruption or votes being manufactured or votes being counted after the mail-in due dates or 
uh, votes without signatures or mismatching signatures or votes from convicted felons or dead people or illegal aliens or but we never really got the answers to those questions and mm-hmm. it does beg the question you know if you have a, a candidate like Joe Biden who we are supposed to believe uh, got more votes than any president in American history and by far mm-hmm. um, then why would you not want to prove that? I mean, why would you not want to? And, and even more than that, um, why would you want there to be this enormous divide in the country? I mean, you know that literally like half the country is angry and outraged and believes that there was fraud. And I, I can tell you with certainty, if the situation was reversed, mm-hmm. uh, our side would not have done that. You know, if, if half of the country the Democrats were saying the, the Republicans stole the election. We certainly would have been like, okay, so what do we need to pr- do to prove that we didn't like, let you set the terms and we'll agree to these terms. Let's go. Um, but that's not what happened. It was just, no, shut up, accept this. This is what happened. We're moving forward. There is no discussion. Joe Biden is your president. Now, Donald Trump is out, deal with it, move on. We're moving forward. And, um, I mean, your question is, what was the real insurrection? I, I don't know, because we never got to find out. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I, I remain open That's a good answer. to the possibility. <laughs> That's a good yeah, answer right I remain, there. Yeah. Yeah. I remain open to the possibility mm-hmm. that if the vote had been forensically audited, we may have found out that Joe Biden got 81 million authentic votes, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we'll never know, because mm-hmm. we got steamrolled, and... Um, so, I mean, that to me, that is, that is where the breakdown occurred. Yeah. I had a couple of uh, bill ideas for you um, to think about. One of them is on habeas corpus. One of the things that's being denied uh, you and everybody else uh, is a writ where the, the, they'd have to prove that there was reason to, to uh, keep people in prison. And this includes I'm, – I'm really happy to see the people using terms we've used here at Action Radio for almost two years now, which is the D.C. Gulag and political prisoners, because that's what it was. Um, would you be interested in maybe looking into a habeas corpus writ where there's a penalty if a judge did not take it up? In other words, is there a way that we should be looking into? We've got the Constitution. We've got due process. We've got Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Sixth Amendment rights. Most of the Bill of Rights is about the accused and the presumption of innocence and the due process to go through to prove otherwise. Do you think we need maybe a, a and you may, like I say, you may not have thought about this. It may be something for, for another time. But should there be some kind of penalties for judges who don't take of habeas corpus um, or, or somehow the system itself or the justice department. What are the penalties for denying constitutional rights and how should we start to think about putting uh, penalties on the people who do de- deny constitutional rights? Because we don't really have that right now. I know it's a big question. I'm sorry I keep asking them. <laughs> is, is this something that uh, you've thought about or have an interest in pursuing maybe? Well, I mean, I think that there's a, a myriad of problems that are going on with the justice system in Washington, D.C. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it seems to be its own lawless district that, uh, you know, if you have the misfortune of becoming entangled or ensnared in mm-hmm. the, the traps that they set, um, and you're a conservative, you're a Donald Trump supporter, you're, you're in big trouble. And I, I can speak to that personally. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, what you're saying, I think, is incredibly important, and I think that we there absolutely needs to be a, a, a large spotlight shined on and, and a focus put on 
the injustices that are happening with people being incarcerated for years without mm-hmm. uh, having a trial. And, uh, you know, many of these people with no violent background or previous record or anything like that, it's a huge problem. But I think just as big of a problem is the refusal of Washington, D.C. to um, release jurisdiction of these cases. I mean, it's, you've got the most corrupt and liberal judges in the entire nation and the most corrupt and liberal juries in the entire nation. And the, none of these people stand a chance. I mean, it's a joke. And, and we're, we have to just sit here and pretend. I mean, not us, because people on the right see exactly what's going on. But the left is enjoying pretending this illusion of justice and saying, oh, well, look, all of these insurrectionists, uh, you know, they, they had their day in court and they all got found guilty. The, the legal system is working. So this proves our, you know, our biases are now confirmed. Uh, look at all of these convictions. And um, it's a joke. I mean, it, it's the, the, the judges are fixing these cases so that the juries can't see evidence that they need to see. And everything is stacked against the defendants. Um, and e- even from the jury selection, it's uh, they're selecting juries that are incredibly biased and no one stands a chance. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of problems uh, with particularly with Washington, D.C. Yeah, I want to introduce you to somebody off the air, uh, Jonathan Mosley, who's a friend of mine, a criminal defense attorney. He works with uh, January 6th defendants. Uh, we even had Stuart Rhodes, when he was working with him, uh, uh, founder of, of the Oath Keepers, uh, actually called us from the Oklahoma Federal Prison. And he called Jonathan because he was his attorney then. And so Jonathan put it on a conference call. And we actually have a recording of, of Stuart Rhodes calling in from Oklahoma. So we're, we've been activists for a long time. Uh, I'm absolutely, so I want to get you guys connected because I think uh, you can probably help him uh, with what he's, the work he's doing with, with other January 6th folks. Um, I want to talk about more about your organizations here because you have a foundation too. You have the Walkaway Foundation that's separate from Walkaway Social, correct? What's, what's, what's the foundation doing? Um, so yeah, the Walkaway Foundation has existed since early January, uh, or early 2019. And mm-hmm. um, basically our foundation does educational events, uh, non um, educational videos, things like that. So through Walkaway Foundation, we've traveled around the country and we've done uh, town hall events for minority communities. We've done a college campus tour. We do live debates. Uh, We've created an educational video series called The Hard Truth, uh, Mm. which are like five-minute videos of different speakers speaking on a different theme, uh, like liberal media bias and voter registration and uh, things like that. Um, and Lord, what else do we do? Lots of stuff, rallies, marches, basically a lot of things just to sort of get the public involved in civics and educate people on radicalism and what's happening in this country. So, What do you see uh, as something that, that we, people use the terms, you know, leftist and liberal interchangeably. I see them as radically different. The, the, the leftists, the Marxists, the, the dictators, the, the ones that want to control everything you know, as, as one group and liberals, I think of liberals as, you know, pretty decent people. They, they love this country. They believe in, in the freedoms in the constitution. The, the solutions are more government and more money as opposed to a conservative who wants more private you know, solutions, but both, you know, love the country. Do you, do you make uh, like really clear the distinctions between leftists and liberals? Um, mm, or not so much. 
Not really. I mean, I okay. see, like I understand. I understand uh, intellectually. I understand the difference that people try to explain, but I don't know. At this point, my feeling is, um, if you're still supporting the left in any way, shape, or form, then you're mm-hmm. aiding and abetting uh, the the tyranny that's being ushered in. And so, I, I don't really care if you consider yourself, you know, a Kennedy liberal, or if you consider yourself a radical Antifa leftist. I mean, I don't care because it's, you're, these are just degrees of a problem. And, um, I, I there's, okay. People, people should be walking away entirely from all of it. So I, I don't, I, I don't want to discuss the nuances because it, it's not important to me. Like you're still supporting. If you're, if you're a, a, a Kennedy liberal over on the, and you're still supporting the Dem- democratic party and you're on the left, and you're ignoring mm-hmm. all of the violence of BLM and Antifa while screaming about the Capitol riot, or you know, you're still supporting the Democratic Party after shutting down the government for years and destroying small, small businesses and destroying people's lives, uh, destroying mm-hmm. young kids in the education system, then I, I don't care. I don't care that you, you, know, that you might not be as radical as some others, but you're still contributing to the breakdown of the system. So it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I'm probably guilty of, of getting too much into the nuances. I mean, I'm the nerd when it comes to, you know, the constitution and and every dot and comma and every, everything about it. So, uh, really refreshing to talk to you. Um, as people are walking away, and here's probably the, the last question, and anything you want to talk about, feel free. You're not limited to my questions. So anything that we haven't covered that we should cover, please, please include. But where do you want people to walk towards? As we walk away from, where do we walk to? Well, all I want, what we've said from the very beginning is that walk mm-hmm. away is a journey, not a destination. So what we want is for people okay. to go on their own journey of research. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't get, like, it's, my goal is not to turn everybody into a Republican. My goal is not to turn everybody into a Trump supporter. My goal is to get people to leave the hive mindedness and the tribalism of the Democratic Party and liberalism and start thinking for themselves. Start doing your own homework. Start doing your own research. And if that journey takes you to uh, libertarianism, republicanism, being an independent, being unaffiliated, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, and the other thing, this should be a partnership of, of sorts, which I've okay. never understood because, uh, you know, the Republican Party really should be stepping in, I think, at this point and saying you've got all these people walking away. Perhaps it should be our job to extend a hand and encourage people now that you've walked away to come and join us and what we're doing. Um, you know, the Republican Party is not that smart and, and hasn't been <laughs> oh, the entire I time. I walked away from I've the been Republican doing Party. This, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the Republican Party hasn't been that smart the entire time I've been doing this. So that really hasn't happened, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I, I think intelligent people would say, okay, great. We've got these blocks of people who are walking away. Let's go grab them and, and, and give them the hard sell and the pitch to bring them over. But I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I mean, that's not – that's not my goal, nor do I feel is my job. I think my, the reason why walk away has been successful and effective is because we, we don't tell people what they need to do or think. We just say, we're here to guide you and support you and be there with you as you make the decision to leave the left. I mean, it's like leaving a cult, right? I mean, 
just we're not trying to grab you out of one cult and bring you over to another cult. We're just trying to walk with you while you're you're making this decision to leave the life that you knew before. And um, you know, there's an amazing opportunity there for I think other political parties to come and engage with these people should they you know, have an awakening and, and recognize that opportunity. No, that makes incredible sense. And listen, I have no love for the Republican Party. I walked away from them too. Uh, I call, the GOP, I call them the gelding old party. So that should give you an idea where I, what I think of them. Um, Josie's on the line. Josie was born in Nicaragua. She knows communism. She knows dictatorships and uh, is now one of my, my favorite reporters and my longest standing reporters. This is the Latino report here. She was on actually the hour before you. Josie, you're on with uh, Brandon Straka. Hey, Brendan, how are you? ¿Qué pasa? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm so proud of you for all that you have done uh, for the walkaway movement. When I first saw that, I was so excited. I was posting it everywhere so people can join you. And, of course, Facebook was trying to delete a lot of the stuff that I was putting on. And... Um, I heard the other day you were sharing your story about your hairdresser. How did that go? Can you share a little bit about oh, that? Oh, this is new. I don't know this one. <laughs> I'm curious now. Uh, yeah, so that, that was several weeks ago. Um, I so Basically, the story is that I'd been seeing the same hairstylist for years. This girl cutting my hair, she did a great job. I really liked having her do it, and she worked at a salon uh, called Garbos in Omaha, Nebraska. They have multiple locations, four or five locations around the city. And um, one of the previous times I tried to get my hair cut, she was not available. So they sent me to a different location uh, to have my hair cut by a different stylist. And while I was having my hair cut by this different stylist, we started talking about what I do for a living, got into a conversation about politics, and ultimately I ended up talking about how I'd been arrested in conjunction with January 6th. Um, he had mentioned that he was aware that somebody in Omaha had been arrested. So he was sort of, you know, familiar with the fact that not that it was me, but that that story and that something had happened. And um, anyway, the next thing I know, I tried to book an appointment a couple of weeks ago. And when I called in, they told me that I was permanently banned from the salon and that I was no longer allowed to, um, to book uh, appointments at Garbo's at any locations. And um, yeah, so I made a video about it and put it out, which ended up going really viral and enraged (laughs) a lot of people who, you know, started speaking up and, and kind of pushing back against the salon. So uh, yeah, that's what happened there. That's fascinating. Uh, Yeah. I I love it. You have to, you have to stand uh, for your rights, for freedom and like Greg was sharing with you, I live through communists, and the agenda is to make this country communist, and we're not going to let it happen. And I'm glad you're part of us now as a conservative, and I thank you so much for all you do uh, for America. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Greg, I'm going to have to wrap up here. Okay. The contact information, did we forget anything that you need to talk about? And, uh, again, if you get me, Greg, at writeyourlaws.com, we can, we can talk uh, later when you have a chance about uh, some legislation. Um, but let's get the contact stuff, and let's get anything we forgot that we should have mentioned uh, earlier. And then let's uh, do it again. Sure. Um, so uh, you're asking how people can follow me? Is that what you're saying? Uh-huh. Or, yeah, all the walkaways. Okay. 
Yeah, so people can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Getter, Truth Social. I'm pretty much everywhere. At Brandon Strock. My last name is spelled S-T-R-A-K-A, like Straka. So it's uh, at Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-T-R-A-K-A. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Truth Social, Getter, YouTube, Rumble, etc. But mostly I want everybody listening to please go to Walkaway Social join, uh, start joining groups, interact with the site, open it every day, get in the habit of using it. It's brand new, so it's going to take some time for people to get in the habit of using it. Uh, But ultimately, I want people to go into the testimonial groups, watch those videos, share them, uh, create your own video. And you can join by going to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and loading the app. It's hashtag walkawaysocial. Or you can use it on the web at walkawaysocial.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Let's give you another round of applause. Keep doing what you do best. Go Thanks, get Greg. him, Brandon. Go get Thank him, Brandon. You. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, too. Bye. Bye now. Take care. Wow. Another fascinating show. He was great. Oh, Josie's gone, too. Everybody left. <laughs> I guess it's just me now. I was going to talk to Josie for a minute, but I guess she had to leave too. Well, the show's kind of over. We did a little bit of overtime, but uh, that's kind of normal around here. That was fascinating. And so my goal and my hope is that, uh, that uh, you know, sometime when Brandon has a chance that we can talk about some legislation and uh, maybe work together where his group, I can, I can form a community uh, on um, Walkaway Social that is either directly on all our legislation, on, on certain parts of our legislation, uh, maybe a group on teaching people how to write the bills and having them advocate it because you know, we're kind of after the same thing. We're just doing it in two different directions. Uh, he's probably a lot better organizing and a lot better uh, getting people together because obviously by the number of followers he has, I'm probably more the nerd <laughs> getting into the actual legislation, the nuts and bolts and some of the picky things. But this is a beauty. Of, of having us all work together is everybody takes their strength. Everybody does what they do best and they bring it to, uh, to the overall uh, cause of freedom and liberty. I mean, that's what it's all about. So anything that anybody can do to increase, and even you just share, you know, uh, my show, uh, especially with uh, Brandon Strzok. I didn't know how to pronounce it until just now um, and, and share his, his, uh, his sites, his walkaway sites and, and get him on different social media and follow him. Uh, and uh, do the same with us, you know, put our shows on his sites, put his shows on our sites, you know, and everybody just do what you do best, you know, talk to people, get the word out there, uh, learn about the Constitution. You know, if you want to walk away, walk away. You got a place to walk to now. Uh, and so all these wonderful things, I think, uh, will happen. And I'm just, I'm just thoroughly uh, pleased with the fact that we got some really detailed, very, I, I really thought-provoking answers. You know, and I have much more respect for people that, that don't have an automatic answer so much, but really have to think about things. And I do, I apologize for the, 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 the overly broad questions sometimes that I do ask. Uh, again, and the multi-subject, it's, it's my ADHD brain. I'm trying, I really am. <laughs> you know, the good part is I can do 15 things at once. The bad things is I can talk about 15 things at once too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh boy. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> this is what happens when I talk too fast. But this has been a fabulous show. I really enjoyed it today. And from uh, Brianna, who was on in the first hour, Josie in the second hour, and our very special guest, uh, Brandon Strzok of uh, hashtag Walkaway Social, the Walkaway Foundation, and all the different places where he is online. Uh, this has been great. Just going to play a couple of announcements for you. And back tomorrow morning at our normal time, 7 a.m. Central Time. Tomorrow will be Thursday. We've got CJ's Wellness. Uh, I don't know after that. I don't know what we plan for Thursday. I'll figure out something. We'll figure it out uh, uh, between tonight and tomorrow morning. 
But thank you all for listening, and please share this show. This was a critical show. And uh, let's see what happens. Let's see where we can go forward um, to make a a greater um, freedom for everybody. And with that, I'll be right back uh, tomorrow morning. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Gracecare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, 
social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.